does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. You know, Mark, part of me thought we would return with maybe an owl sound, maybe a hurricane, oh. maybe an Aztec sound, although I don't really know what where what you did for that one. Who, who is this three hours. you're talking to? We've got Kevin. three hours. Don't worry. Oh, hi. I'm I'm the producer here. What's maybe, your name? maybe a husky, although the husky was the husky the same as a bulldog. Did we, didn't we have some no, issues? No, no, no. I'll bring them all back. When I worked worry. at Channel 6, there was a guy that gave us... I would pay a lot of money for this today. There was a guy from Hamilton Heights High School that was in a band that wrote a song called Where the Huskies Roam and gave us a CD and wanted Dave First and I to play it on the show each night. And uh, we Shock, that, that never took off. <laughs> we could... You mean because of the song or because it was Channel 6? <laughs> I'll go with the former or the latter. Maybe we could take off air. But, uh, yeah, the Yukon Huskies, they are the one vet of the group here as the final four. You ask and I receive. Uh, that's what? a Husky. That's a Husky howling. No, no, was that, that was, a wounded Husky? No, that was that was a guy named Bill that just got done playing in a softball league. He had a foot-long bratwurst. <laughs> Yukon has not sounded like a wounded Husky at all. Through the tournament, they are the one team that will bring Final Four experience with them to Houston. Good Monday morning to you. It is a rainy start to this week after yesterday qualifies as the day of the year, right? Weather-wise here in Indy? Um, say that one more time. Yesterday right. is the day of the year, right? Beautiful. Weather-wise. Yeah, it's perfect. I, you know, it's just perfect. And uh, it was a good weekend overall, uh, but yesterday in particular, maybe not necessarily weather-wise, but there, it's just there's just something about it, right? The Elite Eight and knowing that teams are going to the Final Four and watching some of the finishes and um, going out and having dinner and, and a beer or a Coke or whatever. And I was at Broderbill Tavern on Friday night as part of our Jack Daniels Papa Shot competition. People getting some good competition in that, by the way. It was fun. Papa Shot ramps it up a little bit, doesn't uh, it? Thursday night will be the finals of that. And yesterday, yeah, it was beautiful. I just... I love so much, Kevin, this time of year because it awakens in me. I talk a lot about just the nostalgia of like a magic of we've made it out of the woods. We're at the end of the tunnel in terms of winter heading into spring, um, knowing what's coming in, in terms of great weather It's and, and the tournament. The tournament's just such a big part of it. And a huge part of the tournament, obviously, is the story of Florida Atlantic. Ken Lavica, their play-by-play guy, is going to join us coming up at 8.30 today. A kind of a wild story amidst Florida Atlantic's beautiful owl sound. Much different than the Husky, I thought, there. Um the story of Florida Atlantic, well-documented, of course, and a lot of Indiana ties, but late in that game on Saturday night, Jake, from Madison Square Garden, Ken Lavica, who has been the only play-by-play person for Florida Atlantic over the last 17 years, the internet goes out on press row with, like, I actually think it was less than a minute ago. He's scrambling. He has no idea what to do. The guy next to him hands him an Ethernet cord from the row behind them, and the guy decides to be helpful and holds up his Comrex. So he's holding the Comrex for Ken. Ken is able to make the call. We'll play that call a little bit later that sends Florida Atlantic to the Final Four. And I think if there's anybody, and maybe it has a little Butler feel to it from a decade ago, Jake, but that would qualify, I think, as Cinderella. And it also, that story, 
typifies March in general, right? Like you don't think of, and I know that this has nothing to do with it, and I mean it is no disrespect to him, but you don't think of like patch meal coming together with like people holding something up in the air with tinfoil wrapped around it so they can get reset. You know, that doesn't happen to Kentucky. Right. I mean, he's Cinderella. IU is sending correct. an engineer on site. They they have a color person correct. with them. Purdue the same way. Uh, so yeah, I actually think it does kind of exemplify the Florida Atlantic run. So coming up on Saturday night again, Florida Atlantic and San Diego State. That will lead us off from Houston. And then the final game will be Miami against UConn. Uh, it was it was a good weekend of basketball. There were not, you know, Connecticut, to your point, Kevin, I looked this up yesterday. You know, the, the record for a six-game, the record for margin of victory in a six-game NCAA tournament win is, I believe, Kentucky in 1996. You know, it's been almost 30 years, right? And Connecticut right now is on pace to surpass that. Now, Indiana won by an average margin of 24.5 points per game in 81, but that was only five games. Of teams that have had to go six games or more, which would be 85 and forward, um, Connecticut's on a pace that is as blistering as any we've seen. Now, what's interesting to me, Kevin, is a lot of times you will see a team, and we've seen this in the past, that just blitzes through the regional. Then they take the four days off before the Final Four and – the, the break dust hits and they kind of fall back down to earth. I don't know that that's going to happen with Connecticut, but it'll be interesting to see because Miami in its own right is a team that, you know, obviously we saw incredibly resilient yesterday. You, you can't count them out. And then the other side of it, I mean, the fact that either San Diego State or Florida Atlantic is going to be in the national title game. It kind of feels like that Texas Tech team, right, with Chris Beard, where you're just like, wait, what, really? Yeah, you know, I think, obviously, the the biggest storyline from the Final Four is you don't have a one, two, or three seed. You know, we all can look at a bracket and see that. I would say I'm reminded of this every year, Jake, but it always amazes me when we get to this point of the tournament, and you think back to how these teams began the tournament. Because, yes, UConn has been the dominant, the best team, however you want to classify it. Um, It's one of the more impressive regional runs frankly, in tournament history with what UConn has done so far. But Jake, there's Florida Atlantic, down one with three seconds to go in their opener. Should have lost, frankly, to Memphis. They got a very fortunate call late in that game that Memphis was on the ground, singling for a timeout. They call a jump ball. Florida Atlantic gets the ball. Boom. They make a shot three seconds to go, win the game. How about Drake, up eight with five to go against Miami? I mean, San Diego State yesterday, down seven in the second half. Miami, down 13 in the second half to Texas. It is such a survive and advance tournament. Like, when you think about the Butler run, and in particular, I guess, the second of the two runs, I mean, Old Dominion and Butler in round one, Butler easily could have lost that game. Easily could have lost the second round game to Pittsburgh. But yet, when you kind of talk about them, you know, five, ten years down the road... That's not what you lead off with. You lead off with exactly you know where they finished or how deep that run went. So, again, it's probably an annual thought that I have, but I was thinking back on that Saturday night with Florida Atlantic, how close they were to not even getting out of round one. Miami, again, down to Drake late in that game, uh, you know, right before Indiana took the floor against Kent State. You know, For long stretches of that game, you're thinking, okay, if Indiana wins, they're going to take on Drake in the second round and not take on... Um, the Miami Hurricanes. So, um, but yeah, just uh, obviously beyond unpredictable, and in here the we second are. round. 
What, what, what are we doing there? Shake off the vacation cobwebs. Do you want to go back sure. on vacation? Oh, can I? I can listen <laughs> we didn't have those issues with hey, Sam Fritz. Yeah, right. I know. You were Sam taking your fine. shirt off on yeah. Thursday. I know. I saw well, the was, issues. You know, every there March... There's plenty of issues. Every March, two things here, happen. Man. Two things happen every March. Number one, uh, Mark leaves us. And then the other one, there's always a player that people who have followed that team during the course of the season know about that becomes an introduction to the rest of the sports world. And people are like, whoa. And quite frankly, I don't know in the men's game that there's anybody who has done it to the point of Caitlin Clark of Iowa. Oh boy, you see her stat line last 41 night? point triple double to lead the Hawkeyes into the women's final four. I mean, yeah, 41, 12, and 10 for her last night. Have, have like Steph Curry comparisons been made? I mean, over the fact that like she can oh, just I think a lot, yeah. shoot and score from anywhere? Yeah, I think a lot of people have reference that yeah iowa right now and lsu those are that's half the final four uh, we still don't have a one seed yet in the women's final four south carolina of course is the heavy heavy favorite they could go there tonight they take on maryland it's virginia tech and ohio state in the other one um i did see chris asked this about the highest total of seeds in the final four this is the second highest so it's 23 combined Ironically enough, the highest was in 2011 with Butler, and that was also in Houston. Yeah, that was uh, – wasn't there also – if I remember correctly, there was a year – was Wichita State one of them? Well, now, what was the one – was it with Butler? The Butler one was Butler. Uh, VCU was VCU, an 11. That's, I, that's right. I knew there was an 11 in there. Butler-VCU played in that semifinal. Then the other one was Kentucky and UConn uh, in that one. So I think this is just three – Lower. This is 23. That one was 26. Uh, how was your weekend overall, Kevin? It was great. I mean, again, when you can have weather like yesterday, it's a dream. The zoo was packed. Bowen family was there. Um, yeah, great time to get out. And like you said, it could enjoy a patio beer in the afternoon. And a r- really nice day yesterday. I was beyond beyond thrilled. Um, Mark, we survived Disney. We did. We did. Girls had a great Talk time. Talk about surviving advance. That's not just Florida Atlantic in round one. Got a jalapeno pretzel. I was good to go. So that's how that works. Jalapeno rolls. pretzel. Yep. It's a pretzel with jalapeno cheese like melted inside of it. It's Boy. delightful. Boy, I hope so. They must get when you go to Disney. Disney West. At least for restroom me. line was too let me guess. $11. No. $7.49. Look at that. That's a steal in how Disney. Many, here's, the better, here's the better question. So you drove to. To Florida, so that means that you go down. Did you go down through Chattanooga and then over through Atlanta? Correct. Okay. How many Bucky's are there on the way down? I believe there's three. And how many did you pass? Two. You only made one stop. No, it's a two. <laughs> so you only passed well, one. Because they're like hundreds of miles apart from each other. So at that point, we're like, anybody got to go to the bathroom? Yeah. All right, pull over. Well, the problem the was best restrooms Mark's in the world. Like, yeah, I think I'm feeling something. I got to go again. Yeah. They do have the best restrooms in the world, but th- but there's no way to just run in and use the restroom and run out, right? No, no, because then you're like, ah, I better get another coffee. Oh, you want this sugary snack? Okay. Oh, Bucky Nuggets. Yeah, that's a good idea too. Go do that. Thank oh, you. Oh, look the at nuggets, this T-shirt here. Hey, who wants some brisket? Yeah, it's all that, all that stuff. <laughs> brisket. Yeah. Let's get the girls. Some Kevin, brisket. when you go, you'll you'll feel the hype. <laughs> Thank you for the nuggets, by the way. You're welcome. Uh, by the way, good morning to everybody. It is a Monday. This is Kevin Aquaria on 93.5-1075. The fan Mark Dykton is back in the saddle. Kevin Bowen, the other voice you hear. My name is Jake Query. And plenty to talk about over the course of the morning because obviously the NCAA tournament um, will be amongst 
the topic of conversations, would like to say to the following, Raphael still, uh, actually Raphael has, has clenched with Princeton as the only, that's the furthest advancing double-digit seed was Princeton. So Raphael has won that. We're talking about a $50 gift card, by the way, to Jay's Lobster and Fish Market in the Garage Food Hall in the Bottle Works District in downtown Indy, one of Indianapolis Monthly's best restaurants, specializing in lobster rolls and also serving up crab and shrimp rolls, a New England-style seafood shack, bringing the taste of the East Coast right here to Indiana. Raphael will be able to enjoy exactly that. Having Princeton, Scotty is still in the mix for biggest blowout loser, UNC Asheville, 33 points. I thought it was in jeopardy for a second there. Um, for a while, I thought Gonzaga was going to lose by 35, 40. What, what was it? It was t- kind of I think it ended up being 28 or 29, right? But it was close. Late in the game, I'm thinking, whoa, wait a minute. Can you imagine having Gonzaga and turning out that you get the – you get that prize, but Scotty's still in the mix. There are still obviously three games left. Uh, Florida Atlantic, Daryl, UConn, Paul, San Diego State, Tom. There's one other school. Who am I missing? Uh, Miami, Dave. You guys all still in the mix for our prizes. And let's and throw Trevor's team. name on that list as well. He is leading our bracket pool, and he has got UConn right now. It's Trevor. Tied for first, but Trevor, of course, with UConn, still is able to okay. earn some points. And if UConn is able to win I just just one game, um, Trevor will take home a 50 dollars gift did. card. We did. 99.7 percentile. Great work there. We did a pool, aside from the Kevin and Query one, with a bunch of high school friends. Only three people had a team in the Final Four. Three people in my pool, in my, my, my friend pool, had Connecticut in the Final Four. And of those three, none of them picked Connecticut into the championship game. So, like, our, our bracket's done. Really? There's no more, there are no more points to be had. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm hanging by a thread. I got UConn in the title game. Do you think we had anybody in the Kevin and Corey pool that had more than one Final Four team? We'd have to look. A decent amount of, well, I shouldn't say decent amount, but it looked like there was probably about a dozen people that have UConn. UConn was a really good pick. Winning it all. I mean, you were the one, Kevin, I remember right before the tournament, like, I might have been on Selection Sunday, but you said, you're like, look, Connecticut's, like, those guys, I like Connecticut. I like the way they play, and I'd only seen them play once or twice. But, man, they look unbelievable. Yeah, and obviously they have a tremendous big guy, but they surround him with great skill. Um, The most outstanding player of their region Andre Hawkins is a guy that I feel like, boy, or uh, excuse me, Jordan Hawkins is a guy that, you know, the Pacers, depending on where they fall in the lottery, would be looking at. Um, and how about the most outstanding player? You get Nigel Pack in Miami's region, and then Marquise Noel becomes the first loser, losing team, most outstanding player since Carson Edwards back in 2019. Uh, what do you think, Creighton, San Diego State? You, you like the foul call there or no? I think there's a lot of truth. I think this is a really good way to summarize it, and, and it's kind of hedging a little bit. I did think it was a foul. I also think that needs to be that, – that line in the sand probably does need to be clarified over the course of the game and the way the game is played. I don't know that that would have been called with seven minutes to go in the game. But I thought it was a clear foul because 
I did feel like Nimhard not only had his hand on his side, but and it's probably power of suggestion, but the appearance was there that he did alter the trajectory of the shooter. And to me, that's a foul. Yeah, I'm going to go with no. Um, and I guess you were kind of hitting at that at the start, Jake. You know, I'm a big believer in like the officiating crew early in a game. They decide how the game's going to be called. And then if you're a coach, all you ask for is consistency throughout the game. And if you look at the game, it was really one of the least whistled games all year long. Um, those two teams, Creighton and San Diego State, they combine for 34 foul attempts at a game if you put their season-long numbers. Yesterday, they combined for 17. So that's half that number. So what you're saying with that is, all right, we're going to let these teams play. And if you watch the game, I mean, again, very low foul count, very low free-throw attempt count. And so if you've set the tone for the first 39 minutes of we're going to keep whistles to a minimum – we are not going to call, you know, I think plays that could go both ways. In that moment, um, I think you just swallow that whistle and you continue to move into overtime there. Again, based off how that game was called. Did Nemhard get beat on the play? Certainly. But the fact that, I mean, Creighton, I think, averages like 16, 17 foul shots a game, barely got over 10. San Diego State averaged 18 foul shots a game. Had six for the entire game. Um, there was only 22 fouls. I mean, in today's college basketball, that is a very, very low number. Um, especially when you got a team like San Diego State that is extremely physical We there. should get Bo Borowski on the show this week. He did the Final Four last year, right? I think he, didn't he do like a couple straight Final Fours before yeah. hanging it up? Uh, the other big news this week, it will be out in Arizona on the NFL front. NFL owners meetings actually began last night so we should hear from Jim Ursay um, at some point early this week I know a few of our colleagues are out there um, also Chris Boward and Shane Steichen will chat and, and you know in particular I think it'll be interesting to hear from Ursay and just hear him publicly um, if he has any comments about what this 2023 outlook is going to be for the Colts two weeks from today they will begin their offseason programs that'll be Shane Steichen's first time Having players in the building on a, you know, teaching, coaching type basis, uh, but that'll be something to chat about throughout the week. And then the Pacers, we got two weeks left in the regular season. Basically, not to get too graphic, but I think you kind of started to hammer the old nail in the playoff coffin with losses to the Celtics and the Hawks back to back over the weekend. I did find it pretty interesting, Jake, that you know, nine games to go in the season, and for the first time all year. We've seen Benedict Matherin in the starting lineup with Tyrese Halliburton. That, to me, is a bit of a sign of, all right, Turn the, uh, page the a little white bit. flag is being thrown up here. Yeah. Buddy Heald to the bench. Um, didn't go well, I mean, honestly, for, for Matherin. He had very, very quiet games uh, in both of those. But the Pacers now three and a half back with seven to go for the final playing spot. Three games at home this week, right? Yeah, I think five of their final seven are at home. So yeah, tonight against the Mavs, and boy, Jake, can you imagine your one time to see Luke all year and he gets teed up yesterday and he's out for tonight? Good news for Indiana, except for that, to your point, I don't know that they're necessarily looking at it that way anymore, right? Yeah, I'd love to meet the Pacers fans that are, yeah, Luke is out tonight. Here we go. It's a big chance to get a win versus the... Does Luke have the same... He's not a caramel pup guy, right? 
Uh, I think he's I think he's in the top five of Carmel Pup guys. Ooh. Okay, the, the, your top five Carmel Pup players, and for those that don't know, what we mean by that is the one that that brings out the nine to twelve year old kids that have on the jersey of the opposing player because you know Steph Curry's one, right? Yeah, John Steph are clearly above everybody. Okay, else. Um, Zion. Yeah, I guess it kind of depends. Like, you know, are the kids looking more for like highlight or more kids they could somewhat imitate? They can imitate Luca. You can't really imitate Zion or Giannis. Yeah, they or, can imitate or, Steph, right? Or LeBron. Um, but I, again, you know, when you get these Western teams and they only come into your building one year, and didn't Luca? Am I imagining things, Jake? Didn't he get ejected one time at Cambridge Fieldhouse too? I think that's right. He's got kind of a weird. Oh, he. Oh, he's such a complainer. Yeah, he is. Yeah, his 16th technical of the year. The Mavericks are in disarray. They made the trade for Kyrie. They're 8-13 and 13 since that trade. They are a game out of the play-in and picture right now. Mac Engel was telling me, who's the writer for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram that I grew up with, Mac Engel told me that uh, Luka Doncic was the one that pushed for that trade. Oh, boy. It's like, look, we got a chance to get Kyrie Irving. you got to get him. Okay. Really worked out well for him. The The Western Conference is wild here as you enter the final two weeks in terms of how jumbled it is for teams, you know, the four, five, six seeds, and you get in the play-in, and you've got teams trying to tank that are finding themselves in the play-in as well. The other thing to note with the Pacers this week is Wednesday, they take on the Bucks at home. Milwaukee right now is kind of neck and neck for that number one seed. They have, I think it's a game and a half lead over Boston. They play Boston on Thursday. I don't think Giannis has ever been a frequent, like, rest load management guy, but that probably should be noted that, again, Pacers-Bucks Wednesday, Milwaukee doesn't have a back-to-back leading into it, but they do have a back-to-back on the backside of it, and that is with Boston, who currently is number two right now in the Eastern Conference standings. So, um, I don't know, just maybe a little bit of warning to Pacers fans out there if you are... All in on seeing Giannis Wednesday night. Again, they're still in the mix for that number one seed. They have a one game. I think it's a one and a half game lead over Boston. Um, but if they're thinking, hey, we can sit Giannis, potentially still beat the Pacers, and have him rested for Thursday night with the Celtics, that'll be something to keep an eye on. Do you, by the way, oh, did you see the reports, Kevin? I'm surprised you haven't mentioned it yet, that like there was a plane or, and I'm not mocking it, I Apparently, somebody from the Colts, or there was a Colts plane or something in Baltimore for like three days, and everybody's all excited about it. Uh, I'm not aware of any. Supposedly, either the Ursay plane or the Colts plane was in Baltimore. It, uh, to do what? To, to to talk to who? Well, it, well, people are like, he's there to talk to Lamar, and it's like Lamar Jackson's in Florida, isn't he? Yeah, I don't think Lamar Jackson is. He's not hanging around the complex, the right? area. Right. Yeah. And then, well, no, no, he's there to talk to. He's there to talk to the Ravens about getting Lamar. And I'm like, I think you can do that on Zoom, right? Well, why would you need to talk to the Ravens? Right. Well, if you trade for him. I'm telling I'm giving you the... Well, the trade's just two first-round picks. I'm, pretty... I'm giving you the message board chatters here. Gotcha. No, I, uh, I have not heard that, nor do I think there's much validity to it at all. Yeah, I think with the pro days, I'd... Who knows? You know how, how guys grade out. I'm I'm going to maintain, Kevin. If we were to do this like we did, the way that you got your PBR and the coaching sweepstakes, I am going to maintain that the Colts are going to 
continue to take a hard look at Will Levis. Yeah, I think you know he, I could see like a slight favorite over Anthony Richardson. Um, we'll see how that continues to play out. I mean, we're we're a month a month from today, right? April twenty seventh. Yeah, and then the, I mean, you've obviously got the Hendon Hooker storyline as well. And that is round one of the draft, April twenty seventh. Pro days for this week. You will have both of those two, Richardson and Hendon Hooker, later this week. You had Will Levis on Friday. Uh, I know we had Zach Kiefer on last week to talk about the C.J. Stroud Pro Day. Nate Atkins from the Indianapolis Stars kind of made the Pro Day rounds as well. So we'll uh, we'll chat with him later in the week uh, to get his thoughts on what he witnessed. But yeah, out in Arizona, owners meeting. So you're going to see some news trickle out throughout today. You know, rule changes, things like that. Roger Goodell contract extension, if anybody cares. Probably oh, not. he's getting like, aren't they giving him like half of Fort Knox? I mean, I would, I, I would think he definitely gets extended, right? Don't they have to be thrilled with him? I would think. Given his annual salary, it seems that way. I mean, you but haven't I mean, had labor stoppages. You're you're signed through what? I think the new labor agreement's through 2030. You're in the L.A. market with two teams. You continue you, to grow globally. There's no question. I mean, and you, you could You could say what you want about the fact that Roger Goodell was also in charge when this took place. But I think it's fairly indisputable that five or six years ago there was a dip in NFL interest and a slight NFL fatigue and that that has been erased and moved forward from. And I think the NFL interest level and the year-round marketing of the NFL has been as strong as it's ever been. Um, One thing I did do late Saturday night, I was pretty locked in, particularly in the second half, and partly because... Max was fighting it like none other, and it was the only thing that would show up on my phone. Um, ben Davis Kokomo had my attention. The 4A state title game. Looked very, very similar to me to the Bedford-North Lawrence-Elkhart-Concord game. Ooh, that's high praise. Because there were some plays from, I mean, maybe it's because he wore his number 40 as well, uh, from Flory Badunga. Did we say Badunga or Badunga? Yeah, Badunga. Badunga. From Flory Badunga, he had some Sean Kemp level athleticism, you know, athletic plays. Great player, no doubt. Um, but well, congratulations to Ben Davis. And shout out to Zane Dowdy. I, I thought the Ben Davis big guy. I know his father Matt's a big listener, so we appreciate that. But Zane Dowdy was he played really well. Yeah, he played really and, well. Yeah, I don't know if they do the whole plus minus in high school box scores, but his plus minus had to be through the roof. And you watch Ben Davis, and you look at that Mark Zachary. The guard, I think he's only a sophomore. Boy, you see a lot of David Bell comparisons. And that front row was quite the who's who on Saturday night. You know, if you're the Garen Northwood game and you ended overtime, you're looking over and you're like, oh my God, is that John Calipari, Tom Izzo, and Mike Woodson? Yeah. Are they here for us? Well, Mike Woodson brought like his entire, like everyone that's ever known him, right? And the then, whole staff looked like Mrs. was there, maybe his daughter as well. Bruce Pearl and Stephen Pearl really made the picture for me. It's good to see Stephen Pearl in the building. Jawan Howard in the building. So, yeah, Flory Badunga, definitely still pretty raw. Was Cincinnati there? Anybody from Cincinnati? I don't know if I saw anybody front row. Someone was mentioning to me, like, you didn't see Matt Painter with Purdue. I don't know if this is 100% accurate. I should probably look into it. Um, Someone said that there's a possibility that Matt Painter had, like, exhausted his Flory Badunga observations for the high school season. You know, like you're only allowed so many times to watch a player. Granted, if I'm Matt Painter and like that was the case, I think I would try to make that known publicly. Like, hey, we'd love to watch you tonight, but we've already used up all of our opportunities to see you. But when you watch him, Jake, you think to yourself, 
you know, you reference to Sean Kemp. It's just crazy to think he's been in the United States for less than two years. Yeah. And by all account, everything I've heard, phenomenal kid, right? Super emotional after the game in Kokomo, losing that one. Um, incredible season by Ben Davis and Zane Dowdy, outstanding on Saturday night. Uh, one of the more special seasons the IHSAA has seen in quite some time. So Lutheran, they scored nearly 100 in the Class A game, tied Christmas Attucks for the state record. Two-way game was a great game, very emotional on both sides. Blackhawk Christian comes back to beat Linton. The 3A game, Garen made a run after run to try and get back in it with Northwood. They did that. Game went into overtime, but Northwood outlasted Garen, and then Ben Davis pulled away in the fourth quarter for the 4A state title. All right, we'll talk with uh, the FAU play-by-play voice, Ken Lavica, a wild story from Saturday night, Madison Square Garden, and Bob Kravitz joins us at 9. Kevin Aquari here on a rainy start to the week. 93.5107.5, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Final four is set. Florida Atlantic. The pride of Scotty Johnston. Is in the final four, joined by Miami. (laughs) Connecticut. Boom. Now this one, and San Diego State. What? World? It's the Aztec death whistle, I'm telling you. That, no, that... That is a real thing. That's the bobcat, isn't no, it? No, no, the bobcat is Greg behind the alley. That's what that is. <laughs> Do you have the bobcat? I can get Can it. we play the bobcat and compare it to the Aztec? Because I sure. believe that they're actually the same thing. I th- God, that just sounds like a big bird to me. That's a guy named Greg, right? Sounds like a pterodactyl. Now that's... Hold on. The second half of the Bobcat and the Aztec are the same thing. They do sound similar, but that's not the same thing. Are you thing. buying this from Sounds or Us? No. Free YouTube that's sounds. That's where I'm getting like it from. That's the same thing. Uh, I saw ESPN, 37 of their 20 million brackets picked the Final Four. Correctly. Those 37, I, I said this yesterday. To Those somebody. are people that fill out 15 different that, brackets. That is somebody that was sitting at Azteca restaurant that just watched a documentary about an owl that survived a hurricane and they have a pet husky. That's how you get that Final Four. There's no way that anybody, you know what I mean? Some guy is at as a Azteca restaurant wearing husky jeans and he's like, oh, here we go. Okay, great. First time to one, two, or three. This is probably what you love about the Final Four. Last year, we had the Blue Bloods. Remember that? UNC, Duke, Kansas, Nova. And now this year, we have three of the four that have never been there. And, of course, UConn as the heavy favorite entering Saturday in Houston. No, hold on. I was taking a sip of my coffee. NBA last night. The Indiana Pacers. Do I not see the Pacers? I thought the Pacers played yesterday. No, they're, Saturday. Yeah, okay. Saturday in Atlanta. They're in action tonight. Pacers are against the Dallas Mavericks. By the way, Mavs come in with a four-game losing streak. Two-game skid for the Pacers, but no Luka Doncic, who picked up his 16th technical foul in their loss, That talking about Dallas's, to the Charlotte Hornets last night, 110-104. Chicago, Memphis, Boston. Cleveland, the Raptors, the Magic, the Thunder, and the Timberwolves, all with wins yesterday. Leading scorer yesterday in the NBA. Mark, you got a guess? I, oh, I was going to guess. Go ahead, Mark. No, go ahead, Kev. You've, you've got no, it. I think it was the guy that got teed up, right? Was it, wasn't it Luka? That's where I was going to lean. Didn't he have 40? He did. He was bested only by Jalen Brown, who had 41 and 13 in Boston's the win. Masked man. Over the San Antonio Spurs. I want to look up for the Spurs. They had 93 points. How many do you think Romeo Langford had? Uh, zero. He's been banged up, hasn't he? Yeah. 
Uh, Pacers lost by 25 and 13 this weekend against Floyd Central. He's been banged up since. Uh, Jordan Noor, how about how about that? 25 points in the second quarter for Jordan Wara. That set a Pacers franchise record. So 33 and 42 for Indiana, and they are three and a half back of the final play-in with seven. To- by the way, the fact that I had to ask if the Pacers played yesterday and we haven't heard from Regan Bryan, I'm actually worried about Regan Bryan. Yeah, he was he was usually pretty on those things, right? Romeo Langford eight points yesterday. Eight. Okay. Did Blake minutes. Wesley play at all? He South did. He got three, three points in six minutes. A couple of Indiana natives on that end. All right, we come back. We'll take a close look at the final four and then some Colts Shipping conversation. Shipping eleven points into a nineteen win team. <laughs> we are week three into free agency. Where are the needs still for the Colts? We can discuss. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you that coming up next here kevin and Corey. 17 minutes before the hour of eight o'clock on a relatively warm mid 40s but a little bit drizzly monday morning good morning to you jake Corey, along with kevin bowen mark dykton here as well it's kevin and Corey on 93.5 the fan hope you had a wonderful weekend and are set for a great week ahead as we get set for the college basketball Final Four National Championships coming up this weekend. That stage is set. Also, a month out from the NFL draft, we know that the Colts are looking for a quarterback. Gardner Minshew has been signed. That much we also know. But what will his role be remains to be seen. Now, Kevin, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to give you the names of four quarterbacks. Okay? We'll go with... Now, do you believe... C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. Can we safely say those two are probably not in the Colts mix? Yeah, I think it would be a surprise to see them. So the four names that I'm going to offer to you are Will Levis. No particular order here. Anthony Richardson. Hendon Hooker. That's the player out of Tennessee who, a little bit older, coming off injury, had a dynamic year. And... I guess we'll go with Gardner Minshew. And when I sit, nah, I, I take that back. We'll go with Lamar Jackson. Okay, Lamar Jackson. So, I would like for you, Kevin, to assign to each of those quarterbacks the team in the Final Four that has the same likelihood of winning the national championship and being the guy that the Colts get as their quarterback. Boy, I'm not sure if anybody is as big of a favorite as UConn. I mean, UConn's minus money right now. I think UConn is minus 120, if I saw okay. correctly. So the odds favorite, then, of those four, the favorite would be which? God, again, I don't have strong conviction on any of the four. If you made me pick one, it, honestly, it's probably the order that you listed them. Um, of Levis, Richardson, Hooker. Okay, so Levis is your UConn, right? Yeah, but again, I kind of... I, I, I don't think it's apples to apples in terms of they're as big so of a slam Richardson dunk. So Richardson is which team to you? I think you got to go Miami next. I mean, I think okay. Miami has played pretty darn. I mean, think about Miami's run. Miami, if you look at the seeds, Miami has had no upsets in terms of who they've had to face. And Miami faced Drake, then they faced the four seed in Indiana, then they faced the one seed in Houston, and then 
the two seed in Texas. Um, I guess San Diego State would be slightly favored over Florida Atlantic. So I'd go Hendon Hooker and then Lamar Jackson. I, I think a question about Lamar is the Colts sign Lamar. Let's say they trade for him tomorrow, Jake. Are they a playoff team? If the Colts, hmm, here's the thing. Was Baltimore a playoff team? Baltimore, Tyler Huntley started in the playoffs. Is that right? That's right. I think that's right. Um, I mean, Jackson was banged up. The fact that you're pausing, does that tell you everything you need yeah, to know? I have always said this. When, when people get a free agent in any sport, take basketball. Oh my gosh, we just signed this player, unbelievable, set the parade. You're like, okay, well, look at where that player's coming from. They were a seven seed in the playoffs. Are the four players that he was playing with at that particular location better than the four you are putting him with now? Not really. Okay, then why would you be above a seven seed? And I think the same could be said for Lamar Jackson. Are we getting... What, what are we doing here? What the world? Are, are you still on vacation? I feel like it. Um, Ads just popping up. <laughs> Kevin, the overall supporting cast and roster the nine o'clock of the Baltimore Ravens. Shirts off. The Baltimore Ravens cast and, and everything around them compared to Indianapolis, would you say is one clearly better than the other, or is it kind of a push? Are we getting Micah Shrewsbury this week, Mark, by the way? Well, the line is out. I don't know if they've seen the still images that of uh, that took you over the show. You didn't attach those to the email asking. I would. Well, would you like to get them on the show or not? Yeah, I think I don't you'd want be to a scare them of off. Uh, I don't know. Are you going inter- to intermittently play commercials during yeah. your phone call request? I mean, I might. Uh, <laughs> give that to me again, Jake. Apologies. If you look at the Ravens, are the Ravens better than the Colts? The, the, the roster of the Ravens, yeah. excluding the quarterback yeah, position. Yeah, I, I would say it's prob- probably a draw, right? Yeah, I mean, there are definitely areas where you would like to think the Colts are better than them. Vice versa, though, I, I do think Baltimore, without Lamar Jackson, I mean, you know, I, I can't see the Colts, given their quarterback situation, if you were to take Lamar Jackson off that team, be as competitive as they were in the playoff game. I mean, remember how crazy that game was? Tyler Huntley going for the QB sneak. And the fumble return by Sam Hubbard single-handedly changed that game. I mean, they almost won a playoff game without Lamar Jackson. I, I cannot see the Colts doing that. But I guess, Jake, back to the original question of would the Colts be a playoff team with Lamar Jackson? The fact that you have to pause and think about that, to me, tells you everything you need to know about making that deal. Because... Again, we don't have a lot of, like I think, great evidence to go off of in the desires of Lamar Jackson right now. But I think a lot of people originally thought, okay, five- or six-year deal, and it's going to be guaranteed. Well, now Lamar's tweeting out, well, what about three for 130, whatever the number was that he threw out there, 133. Okay, if you give a three-year deal, you better sure as hell make the playoffs in the first year of that three-year deal. That's a short window. You better find success right away. You don't have the two first-round picks that you'd be trading for him. I do think you look at this division, Jake, and you think to yourself, again, Jacksonville, we assume, is going to be up there again. But obviously, you would you would hope you'd be light years better than Houston and Tennessee. Uh, yeah, I think that... So if you look at it from a division standpoint, you have a much better chance than the wild card, Correct. in my opinion. Correct. 100% agree with that. And that I think it's entirely dependent upon... I think the division is entirely dependent upon the the continued 
trajectory of the Jacksonville Jaguars and whether or not it continues is what I'm saying. I mean, there are teams that Jacksonville would be one of them. Jacksonville went to the AFC title game and everyone's like, oh, wow. Here, and, you know, look, at, look at the roster they built in Jacksonville and then right back down to earth. Now, I personally think with Trevor Lawrence, that's not going to be the case. But that that is your opening for sure. You have a better chance that way than, you know, you're sitting in traffic. You got two lanes. We've all done it. Like, which that lane seems to be moving. Hop over there. And then all of a sudden, the other one starts moving. It does feel like the division is has the better chance of getting you some traction than getting into the wild card lane. NFL owners meetings this week in Arizona. So you'll see some news items trickle out again. It'll be the first time we really have heard from Jim Ursay. Jake, correct me if I'm wrong, but since the firing of Frank Reich, right? I don't think we heard from him at the end of the season. I think you're right. I guess a little bit of the Shane Steichen hire, but again, that was more of a celebrating of Steichen and not necessarily the, I should say, State of the Union. Praising Jeff Saturday on his way out as well. But yeah, State of the Union is, is probably an accurate way to put it. So curious what his comments will be outlook wise for 2023. By the way, when I saw Michael Rapoport at Helium last week, in the middle of his bit, he just stopped and said, did you all hire Jeff Saturday? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, what's going on there, the Colts? I mean, they, they, you got, you know, did, you know what he said, which... Has he been back on ESPN yet? Jeff Saturday? Yeah. I don't think he has. Uh, I'll tell you what Michael Rapoport, and I know that people around here probably don't like Michael Rapoport. I, I thought he was pretty funny, but one thing that he said that I was like, ouch. He said... I'm a fan of the New York Giants, the New York football Giants, and Lawrence Taylor, and he's the greatest player ever, da-da-da. And, and then he said, but I like the Colts. I like the Colts. I'm not going to lie to you. I like the Colts. I mostly like him because, like, who cares about the Colts? You never have to worry about them, and you never hear about them anymore. He actually said, he's like, who's, who's the one guy that retired? Andrew Luck? Man, that guy was a baller. Ever since then, I never thought about him because you never hear about him. I'm like, ouch. I mean, to be fair, we haven't really heard much about his Giants in the last – handful of seasons either but last year sure for that not a whole lot of but, but the point being i think that's exactly what you don't want to be right yeah. you don't want to fall into that trap in the nfl of being and 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 i think it's hard for us to realize but probably realistic that outside of indianapolis the colts relevance is waning well that's yeah, like the it, game you play where you say like of the franchises like if you went to a random city what's the last franchise you would correct. see someone wearing colts are probably up there you think so I would think so. I think the Pacers would be way up there, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had someone tweeted me over the weekend, like, Ballard owes it to the franchise to talk to Lamar Jackson. And, and I think there's a decent amount of truth in that statement, but I also think I, I'd probably alter it, and I would say Ballard owes it to the franchise slash fan base to actually take a long-term swing at quarterback and to tweaking his approach. That that's where I would alter it. Again, I don't necessarily think you need to be calling Lamar Jackson and having in-depth conversations with him just to, you know, tell your season ticket members at some luncheon that you did it. But I think you owe it. And again, to me, it's fan base is one thing. I think you owe it to Jim Mercer and to your franchise that that is the best way possible to try and achieve long-term success and the patchwork quarterbacks get you to where you are. And that is... I guess to my, Michael Rappaport's point, you're in quarterback purgatory, which if you're in quarterback purgatory in the NFL, it's hell. Right. And I, I just think, again, the Colts are not terrible, don't get me wrong, but I think that they, I, I truly believe that in other markets, 
and we are not in other markets, so it's not applicable here. But in other markets, probably, the Indianapolis Colts are thought of in the same way or with the same frequency that we think of the Arizona Cardinals and Seattle Seahawks. You know what I mean? They're there. They've been good. But they're not right now. They're just they're just kind of there. And that's the last thing that an owner wants, especially this owner. This Which owner is, does not want them to be off. He wants to be – he wants it known as any owner does, I get it. But I do think that for Jim Ursay, the difference between Jim Ursay and most owners in the NFL is that this is Jim Ursay's exclusive and entire identity. Sure, he has the Jim Mercer collection and those things. But from a business standpoint, this is the business Jim Mercer has always been in and the only business he's, he's ever been in. And other owners, they have an empire elsewhere which allowed them to become an NFL owner. So I think his pride level of his franchise is as would be unprecedented within the league. And again, this is very foreign for him to be operated in such a level of who cares about the Colts? Well, for the last 20 years, for sure. Right, right. Which is his owner. I mean, his ownership. Yeah, that's right. You know, when you think yeah, back right. to the late 90s, this is such an unusual spot for him to be in. Bob Kravitz is going to join us in an hour. Coming up at 8.30, we have the the voice of the Owls, Ken LaVisca. Crazy story about him losing power late in Florida Atlantic's win over Kansas State. How about if you're a Kansas State fan, Jake? You've been to the Elite Eight three times since 2010, and you, you've lost to a quote-unquote Cinderella each of those three visits. <laughs> you know, Indiana has lost, I believe, since Indiana's last Final Four appearance. This is the fourth or fifth time that they were eliminated by the team that went to the Final Four. Which I guess, realistically, depending on how far you go in the tournament, your odds increase that the team that beats you is going to get to the Final Four. Right. But, I know. also felt... A little bit, a little bit of this with Purdue fans yesterday watching Miami and Texas. Probably the two most popular names you heard with Purdue in the transfer portal last year: Nigel Pack and Tyrese Hunter going head to head in that game. That had to be a little salt and wounds Ouch. for Purdue fans. Obviously, a lot of salt and wounds in the month of March here. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the Final Four and set you up. And again, Ken Lavisca, voice of the Owls, loses power with about 20 seconds to go in the game. Is able to get back on air. Mark will play that call. For us coming back. Uh, Kevin Aquari right here. 8 o'clock hour on a rainy Monday in Indy. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Procession for a second. Good as well. Kansas State doesn't have any timeouts. The inbound from Sills. Here comes Noel up the near side left front court. Three seconds now, two. Noel throws him a shoot. High right. It's stripped away by Davis. He stole it. Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic is going to the final four. One of the most improbable stories in college basketball history has just played out in New York City. Houston, you have a problem. Florida Atlantic is coming to town looking for a trophy. Florida Atlantic 79, Kansas State 76. FAU is going to the final four. Well, that fellow seems excited. I love it. 
absolutely love it. Yeah, Ken Levicka going to join us here in about a half hour. Uh, that was 106.3 WUUB. Levicka went off air due to some Ethernet issues in Master Square Garden with about 30 seconds to go. Scrambling, said he got help from the guy next to him to plug in the Ethernet from the had ta- or the row of tables behind him. The guy held up his Comrex, which for those kind of unfamiliar with that, just picture like a little bit of a laptop size, a little bit bigger than a laptop. And uh, he was able to have the final call. 17 years, Jake. Uh, no color voice. Just, he's it. 17 straight years. He has been the play-by-play and color voice for the Owls of Florida Atlantic. He mentioned on that play, John L. Davis had the steal of Marquise Noel. That is the Gary product, John L. Davis. I think what sums up the FAU run, too, that's just darn impressive. Jake, Dusty May is 46 years old. Does he look younger than 46, by the way? He does. Dusty May is 46 years old. He's 12 years older than the history of Florida Atlantic men's basketball. I was just going to say, I mean, I'm looking at it here. I think I was born the same year as Florida Atlantic men's basketball. So if people can recall, if you think about it for a second, you've got to be a certain age to be able to do this. I want you to close your eyes and remember the year when Sean Elliott had just gone into the NBA draft the year before as the National Player of the Year. Uh, Purvis Ellison was the number one player picked in the draft out of Louisville. Jay Edwards was doing his thing in Indiana. Tony Jones was at Purdue. And Anthony Thompson had just lost the Heisman Trophy to Andre Ware. That was 1989. That was the very first year ever for basketball at Florida Atlantic. Ever. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. There, there are schools that have been playing forever that have you know that have been around since the first tournament in 1939 that have never been to a Final Four. They had made one tournament before this year. One. They'd never won a tournament game before this year, right? Yeah, 2002, I believe, was their last or only, I should say, tournament appearance until this season. Um, I thought it was a really nice moment by Jerome Tang, Kansas State head coach. And again, I mean, if you're a Kansas State fan, you're thinking, gosh, seven-point lead in the second half. Uh, went into the FAU locker room afterwards and just you know, heaping praise on FAU for the toughness. And I mean, when you watch them, Jake, you're like, wow, they belong. Like, this is not – I don't know if people felt this way. You know, I was probably a little biased about Butler when they made their early runs, but it doesn't really have, like – Loyola Chicago George Mason feel to me. It's like no, this is a legit thirty. Well, they were. Team I mean, they were thirty win team, probably right? underseeded. Yeah, and, and yeah. they were ranked most of the year. I mean, it's not like you know. To be honest, I think the the but, more remarkable is Butler going back to back. Sure, without question. But yeah, I mean, it, it's selling them short a little bit. I think to I, I understand why if you're part of that program, this would be incredibly surreal but in in an isolated sense in terms of their season yeah they I mean they won 30 games and they're ranked most of the year I, I was surprised when they came out as a nine I'm like man I thought they would have been like a five or a six seed, I think right? a lot of people thought they were under but you know, we talked about in the opening hour this is the beautiful thing of this tournament 
I mean, I'm sure Indiana fans were locked in on that finish. Florida Atlantic, Memphis, opening night of the tournament, or I guess maybe it would have been that Friday night of the tournament. FAU down one late in the game, loose ball. Memphis looks like they're going to call a timeout. They call a jump ball instead. FAU gets under their own basket. They score, and they're able to beat Memphis by one. Um, or I should say Purdue fans, not not Indiana fans. Purdue fans would have been watching that with Fairleigh Dickinson. Indiana fans would have been watching Nigel Pack in Miami, down eight with five minutes to go to Drake, and boom, Miami makes the plays late to win that one. Kind of crazy Jim Laranego, 17 years ago to the day that he took George Mason to the Final Four. Miami comes back and beats Texas yesterday to go to the Final Four. I mentioned this earlier uh, over the weekend. If Miami wins it, it, there are a lot of ifs here, I realize. If Miami wins it all, uh, Laranaga's what, 76? Boy, is he that old. He's under contract, I think, until 2025. But if Miami wins it, is there any chance that Laranaga says, I'm good, you can't, you can't do any better than this, I'm going to go out on top, and that Miami says, wait a minute, we were leaving the hotel yesterday and ran into Dusty May. He lives 45 minutes away. Seems easy enough. Because I think there are Indiana fans that are suddenly like their left eye, just the eyebrow raised about Dusty May. Like, hmm. Yeah, we're a one-one away from a pig's message board on what's Mike Woodson's buyout. Let's get Dusty May. <laughs> How old did you think Jim Laranega was? 76? 73. Okay. Maybe it's 76 by the time his contract's up. Maybe that's what it is. Still, though, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I guess for Dusty May, and I know he has some ties to the state of Florida. If I'm not mistaken, his son plays at Florida. Um you know, where do you want to kind of be permanently? And I know saying a coach is making a move for a permanent situation is probably a bit wishful thinking, but um, yeah, it's it's a hell of a story. And again, more, I think, the historical nature of their program. You know, let me tell you the anything. other, other storyline that we're probably selling short, and it's unfortunate because they're going to get kind of lost in the shuffle because of Florida Atlantic's story, okay? But a team that has been a really good program now for a decade. Speaking of that 88-89 season, the first year of Florida Atlantic, that was the year when I was doing the look back in the rollback machine here. 88-89 was the year where heading into the NCAA tournament, Bill Frieder made it aware that he was going to leave and go to Arizona State. And he said, but I'll coach the team in the tournament. And Bo Schimbeckler said, no, we're going to have a Michigan man coach us. And so Steve Fisher took over. Glenn Rice had the most prolific single tournament from a scoring standpoint in NCAA tournament history. And Michigan won the national title. Steve Fisher then parlayed that into recruiting the Fab Five a few years later. That was my high school class. And we know the Fab Five is mocked by people as having never won anything because they did not win the Big Ten and they did not win the NCAA tournament. But they were obviously very good. And Steve Fisher was joked about as being the guy that just rolls out the basketball. Well, he goes to San Diego State, kind of this outpost assignment. You're going to go coach at San Diego State. At least the weather's nice. And he turns them into a pretty legit program to the point where then he hands it over to Brian Dutcher, who's done Brian Dutcher, who look look what he's done. I mean, San Diego State has been a legitimate, 
you know, they, they've probably been a six or, or better seed, I'm going to guess, multiple times in the last five years or so. And I think it's saying something that even though they're not a basketball blue blood, that San Diego State being in the Final Four is, yeah, it's kind of a Cinderella, but people are like, yeah, they've been good for a while, though. Yeah, and they really have had kind of a consistent like look to them and, you know, great defensive team, really long. Um, you know, I was saying on Friday's show, you know, financially, I was like, all right, I think both these five seeds can cover in San Diego State and Miami. I wish I would have thought I think both these five seeds can win the game because they both did in upsetting the respective one seeds. But, you know, when you look at San Diego State, I mentioned this on Friday, they had held Utah State in their conference title game to their fewest points all year. Did the same thing to, was it Charleston they played in round one? I think it was Charleston in round one. Did the same thing to Furman. And they were, Charleston was like a sexy Cinderella pick in that first game. Yeah, I mean, game, that right? was kind of one of the 12 fives people were thinking. So, three straight games, they held those teams to their season low. I want to say Alabama, the 64 they allowed to Bama was, I think, the third lowest Bama has scored all year. And then yesterday, the 56 to Creighton was their second lowest. So, they just get after it. All the defensive end of the floor, a lot of depth as well. They, along with Miami, I think probably have like the most notable transfers if you look at their makeup of these four Final Four teams. And Jake, we probably should mention Alabama. I mean, the number one overall seed now is hasn't won a national title since 2013 Louisville. We, we've had this number one overall seed. I think this year is the 19th year that the committee has you know, announced who the number one overall seed is just three times have we had a national champion out of that number one overall seed. And I would say a question for NBA teams moving forward will be, is Brandon Miller like going to snap out of this? He was absolutely horrific in the tournament. He was 8 of 41 from the field. CBS threw up a stat that he is the only player in tournament history to shoot less than 20% while attempting at least 40 shots. I saw that. Um, Again, is it three games? Sure. But I would be curious to look at his stats since all of this, you know, his association with that murder. I'd be very curious to see what his stats have looked like since then. I know he had the, you know, he had the the great game. I guess I think it was like South Carolina, maybe one of the first nights after, you know, his name started to pop up more with it. But since the news cycle has grown, and of course he got in the tournament, and Jake, he's walking into the arenas with security guards and all of that. Like, I mean, I guess time potentially cures all, but boy, the, that's going to be quite the question for whichever NBA team drafts him. It's embarrassing. Embarrassing's perhaps the wrong word but it's it's interesting that i have to quantify what i mean when i say shooting when you're talking about him and i don't mean that to be flippant at all but for a player like brandon miller the nba thought process is going to be the shooting will come around he 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 can work on the way that he shoots the basketball the athleticism the size the length, those are things you can't coach. That That's what teams are going to convince themselves. Uh, speaking of that, he has been the lock stock, for the most part, second or third pick in our NBA tankathon. You want to do one real quick yeah, here? Yeah, but where are they at? Sixth, seventh? After a couple losses. They uh, the Pacers are up, currently right? sitting in the seventh position. The seventh position for the 
lottery right now. And when we do the tankathon, here's what happens. With the first pick. Whoa! And the 2023 NBA mock draft. Disney magic you brought back. The Indiana Pacers select Victor Webanyama from the Metropolitans in France. Brandon Miller, they do have going third behind Scoot Henderson. To who? What's that? To who at three? Uh, They have him going to the Detroit Pistons. Mm. You want to think glass half full on the Pacers getting the number one pick? What were the odds of Florida Atlantic to make the Final Four? What were the odds of San Diego State yeah. making the Final Four? Miami, even. I mean, if you're seventh, I think it's like a what is it like a eight percent chance, something like that? Or is that you're telling me there's a chance? Jalen Hood Shafino has worked his way now into the top twenty. He is listed as seventeenth in the draft. One thing that the Pacers did lock up over the weekend is the Cleveland Cavaliers have clinched a playoff berth. So that means their first-round pick will be going to the Pacers. 25th right now. So to recap that trade, by the way, the first Cavs playoff appearance without LeBron James since 1998 for that franchise. So that trade was Karis LeVert and a second-rounder that ended up being a guy by the name of Luke Travis. I think he's the opener for Tim McGraw coming up uh, later this year up at uh, Ruoff. Uh, Luke Travis, the second rounder uh, for Ricky Rubio, which I guess that was just kind of Ricky Rubio's contract. Didn't really turn into anything. Andrew Nemhard, a 2027 second rounder in this this late first round pick, which, as Jake just said, 25 overall right now. It obviously will depend on how far Cleveland goes here in the playoffs. But I think unquestionably that was a trade that worked out for the Pacers. Levert was not going to be part of this future. And Andrew Nemhart already has had a really promising rookie season, and we'll see what happens with this pick. Maybe they spend it on a player, or maybe they trade up further into the lottery. So right now, Jake, we know that the Pacers will have definitely three first-round picks coming up this summer, their own, Cleveland's, and Boston's. By the way, I, I, I realize this is kind of irrelevant when talking about the NCAA tournament or the lottery. And I know that these mock drafts, as I always say, essentially are good to mock but they give you an idea of what the thought process is in terms of where players rank right now with the pick that sacramento got from the pacers in the halliburton trade uh trace jackson davis 38th to sacramento that that's He's moving his way up a little bit. I don't know that he's going to move into the late first round, but I do think that Trace Jackson Davis, to me, Kevin, is the Hendon Hooker of the NBA draft. Well, you know, he's a guy that a lot of people probably overlook, but I think if we take him like in the second round, we might be able to get a good player, that kind of thing. Yeah, I guess the big difference would be they don't play anywhere near the same position of importance at the next Correct. level. Yeah, that's fair. Hooker, um, big time, Trace Jackson Davis. Zach Eady, by the way, 43rd now to San Antonio, which if there's a coach that could figure out a way to make it work, I guess it'd be pop. But again, get, simply that gives you an idea where guys are slotting or what range they would be anticipated to be taken. If you're looking ahead of the Final Four and probably the best pro prospect, I think you go to the Connecticut Huskies. I've uh, been really impressed by... Jordan Hawkins, yeah, guard, boy, that, wing, 
Um, again, I don't know if like he's the three four. Probably isn't that three four that the Pacers would be looking for, but. He's a really, really talented player. He just his release is so fast, right? Yeah, it's a great looking shot. I mean, he he kind of has like a Clay Thompson, Reggie Miller type yeah. feel, right? Like come off the curl and just boom. Yeah, I could see, I could see some of that. Again, more into I think NBA declarations, transfer portal stuff, those sorts of things. Um, with Indiana and Purdue, you would think now as we get another week out of. Um, or deeper into those respective off seasons. You know, I brought up earlier, you know, Jake, we saw the who's who Saturday night inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. I mean, literally, Mike Woodson, his entire staff. Then, boom, it was Tom Izzo, and it was John Calipari. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Cal had a couple Kentucky assistants with him. Like, it wasn't just him there. Uh, you saw Bruce Pearl. You saw Juwan Howard. Obviously, you had a lot of the local Indiana coaches as well. You know, mentioned earlier, like, oh, wow, I don't see Matt Painter and Purdue. It... I, I probably could go like one of two ways on it. Part of me thinks you see this oftentimes with Painter of like, once he realizes the recruitment is unrealistic, he just gets out. Yep. Why waste time? And I think that is so much of recruiting, like not making sure that you have all these invested resources into a prospect. You have no chance of getting, I I thought that, or then, you know, another Purdue fan kind of threw threw out the idea of like, he's watched Flory Badunga. Badunga has visited Purdue um, Matt Painter, I know, is a very big advocate of like, I'm going to go out a lot during the season, watch these high school re- recruits play in person. Had he exhausted all of his viewing options of Flory Badunga during the high school year? Um, but you thought, Jake, that one team that maybe we didn't see front row is where Badunga could be heading? Well, the thought process from a lot of people that I've heard is that Badunga is part of, and I don't remember if it's the hope program or whatever that if you recall back when hunter perea and peter jerkin were signed with indiana and do you remember and of course at the time everybody's like i can't believe they're going to be suspended do you remember i remember dick vital so hunter perea peter jerkin announced for indiana and people are doing backflips and they're like oh my gosh they just got mcginnis and downing this is the, the, the unbelievable this is literally elijah Wan and and you know twin tower and samson on the same team this is unbelievable and then it turns out neither one peter jerkin had no clue what was going on and hunter perea we're still waiting as soon as he learns how to catch a basketball he's going to be unbelievable but i I digress um they were part of i believe it was called the a hope program which is a program that helps facilitate for players that, that have basketball dreams in the united states from africa to come over and then help them get into college programs, which is a great program. I mean, it provides an opportunity for young people. Don't get me wrong. And the issue with Indiana, if you recall, Kevin, was that there was some sort of a – I can't even remember what it was. The, the, the person that both of those two players were staying with or knew – here in the United States, had given them Indiana stickers and was they were boosters of Indiana, and so therefore they were deemed ineligible for like six games. And I remember Dick Vitale; they were showing them in a game on the sideline, and Dick Vitale, "Oh, the Hoosier Nation! Wait, wait till these two guys—they're unbelievable!" Da da da. And you know, like I said, neither one of them could play at all. But that's not the case here. However, I, it's that kind of a program that Flory Badunga 
how he ended up in Kokomo. And as I understand it, and, and my understanding is vague at best, but my understanding is the family that he is either staying with or that helped bring him over uh, have very deep connections to the University of Cincinnati. Yeah, and Drew Adams, an assistant down there, uh, connections there. You know, John Peckinpah, you think about him, the head coach at Kokomo. Um, I know he has a relationship with Jordan Holes, who's down at Indiana. And obviously IU feels like they have, you know, a, a great chance considering, you know, how many people showed up for them on Saturday night. But boy, it's going to be fascinating to watch how all of that plays out in, you know, Michigan being there, Cincinnati feeling like they have a chance. I mean, Jake, I feel like it's pretty rare, like, to see that type of head coach resume show up to a junior and high school game right. nowadays like for the most part i feel like these these recruitments are pretty kind of buttoned up at this point in his in a high school career granted flory's very unique in the sense of you know he just got to the united states you know 20 some months ago um which is wild to think about again shout out to zane dowdy the ben davis big guy outstanding on saturday night um was a huge difference played really maker. well um, honestly, had some had his way really with, with Flory for long stretches, and I thought Mark Zachary, boy, football or basketball for him, he is going to be an absolute star one day in whatever um, sport he decides to um, pursue at the next level. All right, uh, voice of Florida Atlantic coming up at eight thirty. Heard his call a little bit earlier. Uh, Ken Lavica is going to join us in about five minutes. For now, let's play a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown. On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Uh, we'll begin with the Pacers because they're in action tonight taking on the Dallas Mavericks over at the Fieldhouse. You can begin hearing coverage of that game at 6.30 before Mark, Mark Boyle will be on the call. He will not be calling, uh, it appears, the name of Luka Doncic, who will be suspended after receiving his 16th technical last night. Charlotte over the Mavs, 110 to 104 in that game Doncic did have 40 points 12 rebounds Kyrie Irving added 18 but it looks like Irving's scoring load may increase tonight Doncic's will not because of the fact that he is going to have to rest Chicago Memphis Boston Cleveland Orlando Toronto Oklahoma City and Minnesota also all winners last night in the association uh, looking ahead to the final four again coming up on Saturday in Houston. Boy, you imagine ticket prices, Jake, how they plummeted from Texas having a 13-point lead with 11 to go. No kidding. And now to where they're going to be. Uh, it'll be a 6.09 tip. San Diego State is a slight favorite. One and a half points over Florida Atlantic. And then at 8.49, it will be Miami as a five and a half point underdog. I think you'll have a lot of people looking at Miami, five and a half point underdog. And taking that, they take on UConn coming up in the second game. On the women's front, Caitlin Clark, absolutely incredible in their Elite Eight performance yesterday. She had 41 points, 12 assists, and 10 rebounds for Iowa. They punched their ticket. They'll take on either South Carolina or Maryland. Again, South Carolina, the overwhelming favorite. On the women's side, uh, in the other Side of the bracket, you have LSU. They beat the Miami women. So the Miami women got on a run after beating Indiana. They got to the Elite Eight. But LSU, with that crazy coach, Ken Mulkey, um, <laughs> they are in the Final Four taking on Virginia Tech. What is he, like wandering aimlessly, or, talking to himself? Or Ohio what's going on there? State. Um, I mean, I know, Jake, you have been observant of you know NBA players and their fashion. Have you seen Ken, Ken Mulkey on the sidelines? Oh, boy flamboyant 
Uh, I would say that's an understatement. Ric Flair would say that's flamboyant. Yes, um, that's a good way to put it there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, she's quite the personality as well. So uh, they punch their ticket to the Final Four. Do, you, do we know where the women's Final Four is? For some reason, the state of Texas is popping into my head again. I don't think, I, like, Kim Mulkey wears leather, right? I saw a lot of flowers yesterday. Yeah, I mean. My flowers, uh, probably feathers would be the proper. Janis Joplin type attire? Crazy seems. How about uh, demonstrative? Yeah, her personality, I think, is probably where a little bit more crazy. Is it San Antonio? Is that for the women? The women's final four I'm looking here. Hang on. Have you been to San Antonio, did you say? I thought it was Texas, but I uh, could be wrong. Um, No, I, I actually have not, no. The, the, Heard great things. Uh, it is Dallas, by the way. Dallas, there yeah. you go. So Man, I think it's for the men. I think it's funny. Dallas San Antonio, if you ever go there, like I went to San Antonio, we check into the hotel, we get there at night, and I'm like, yeah, um, I just wanted to walk in, like see, like how far is the Alamo? And they're like, excuse me? I'm like, how far is the Alamo? They're like, dude, it's like right around the corner. Turn around, sir. Yeah, so I go right around the corner, and I, you know, and I'm like, was well, it a, like a safe area? And they're like, what? So I go around and like, oh my gosh, there's the Alamo, and it's right on the Riverwalk. So it's like right in their most tourist area of the city. Literally by like the third day, you're like, oh, there it is again, the Alamo. It's like Big Ben Parliament. Yeah, it pops out of nowhere when you're like, oh, there it is. Yeah, you you have this like notion in your head that it's some giant thing, correct? Like, sealed offense in the middle of the city, just hanging out. It's next to it, like a. Is the Spurs Arena like right near all of that? I, I I'm guessing. Uh, the Spurs Arena is actually. It, it, imagine Kevin, their river walk. If it was like our canal walk down uh-huh. here, then the Spurs Arena would be like the Rathskeller. Oh, okay, so a little like bit distance. more of a walk. Yeah, than, yeah you'd have to like than Uber I was over. Yeah. Uh, all right, Ken Levicka, the Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The play-by-play voice of the Owls of Florida Atlantic. He joins us. Um, before we get to Boca Raton and the Florida Atlantic Owls, two two real quick house cleaning items. Number one, the Spurs, you were asking about that, Kevin. I was giving you the answer as to where the Alamo Dome was in comparison to the Riverwalk. I forgot. The Spurs have a new arena, which is like further outside of town. Uh, so you definitely would need an Uber Man, if you're doing that. that's kind of a bummer, that. too. And I, I should have been more clear. I apologize. I, I wasn't saying that Flory Badunga is part of that exact same AHOPE program that were Hunter Perea and Peter Jerkin, but I believe it is a similar type of facilitation that has brought him to Kokomo. And my understanding is that um, that family that has brought him is very plugged in with Cincinnati. And again, I don't know if it's slam dunk by any means. The fact that that many coaches are willing to show up totally on a no, Thursday I in his junior or on a late in his junior year, you'd think to think. You would seem to think they believe it's pretty wide open for his recruitment here moving into the AAU season. All right, you guys heard us play this earlier. Ken Levicka, play-by-play voice of the Florida Atlantic Owls, is with us right now. For those that missed it, it was a hell of a final 30 seconds for him inside of Madison Square Garden on Saturday night. Uh, Once he got back on air, the call sounded like this. For a session, for a second, good as well. Kansas State doesn't have any timeouts. The inbound from Sills. Here comes Noel up the near side, left front court. Three seconds, now two. Noel throws it Masood. High right. It's stripped away by Davis. He stole it. Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic is going to the Final Four. One of the most improbable stories 
problem. Florida Atlantic is coming to town looking for a trophy. Florida Atlantic 79, Kansas State 76. FAU is going to the final four. Ken, I'm sure hearing that is not going to get old anytime soon, is it? It is pretty amazing that this program, from where it was pre-Dusty May to where it is now in year five of Dusty May, is going to the the uh, the final four. And uh, yeah, it it is. I'm usually not a big uh, want to listen to myself back over and over again, but uh, I got to say it's a cool moment, and just the fact that it all played out of Madison Square Garden, it doesn't get much better than that. Can you let, and again, Ken Levicka's with us, FAU play-by-play and color voice. He's been in that role for 17 years. He's with us here on this Monday morning. Uh, we've been telling the story a little bit, but want to hear it from you. Explain what happened to you from an internet connection standpoint in the final 30 seconds. Yeah, and I want to preface this with, it is entirely silly that uh, I and my plight has become uh, one of the stories of of this FAU run, but the fact that it, it played out in front of some of the most prominent college basketball media members, that's why this has become a thing. And so I was sitting next to Mad Norlander and Andy Katz, and then I had the TV broadcast to my left, and we're along the right side. If you were watching the game, the Elite Eight game, Game, uh, on TBS. It's off to your right-hand side, and if you look at highlights late, you can sort of see a guy in red a bit agitated, uh, and that's me. So what had happened is, uh, uh, with, with the media seating, you have two rows. You have a, a row along the the court side, and then you have a row right on top of that. I was court side, off to the right-hand side, and everybody has their own Ethernet connection. Ethernet cord, you're hooked in, everything's good to go. With about 30 seconds left in the game, as Mike Forrest for FAU was about to shoot the first of what ended up being four free throws to lock the game up, uh, I got a text from my producer back in South Florida. Hey, you dropped. You dropped. Typically, fine. It's just something that glitches uh, with the piece of broadcast equipment that basically everybody uses now in 2023. It's just a quick uh, touch screen poke, and you're back on the air. But that didn't happen. And then I tried it again. Didn't happen. Tried it again. Didn't happen. Uh, realized that I actually had no Internet connection coming through this Ethernet cord into my piece of equipment. All right, no big deal. I'll just swap to another one. So Matt Orlander sitting to my right. I asked him, hey, can I use this real quick? I uh, said, yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, and so I plugged in, realized no Internet coming through that. Andy Katz, can I use yours? No Internet coming through that. So then I realized the entire row was, uh, was bereft of, of Internet. So I'm saying to myself, this is a problem. Uh, I said a couple of words. said a couple of words that uh, that wasn't going to be able to to, to show off in the show. And screw so, Houston has a problem. Saying, I've got a problem in New York City right now. Yeah. I was going to say, before Houston, you've got a problem. I had a, a significant problem, and it, some of it involved me feeling like I was going to vomit, too. It was uh, – <laughs> so so I, I, I'm trying to figure out what to do. And, and you mentioned I've been doing this 17 years. I mean, it did cross my mind. W- holy hell. I've been doing this for this long with a program that has been nothing for so long. Now they're at the possible peak of the sport, and I'm not going to be able to call the moment. And I, I called the studio. I'm on a cell phone. And what saved me was that Kansas State, after the second Mike Forrest free throw, was able to hit a layup. 
and Jerome Tang called a timeout. That gave me about 45 seconds to sort of settle in, and I looked up above me and realized, wait, there's that second row. I wonder if they are plugged into a separate modem or a separate Internet source. And the problem was the Ethernet cord wasn't long enough for me to pull down to where I was sitting. So while I've got my cell phone tucked to my ear with my headphones over the cell phone and my shoulders propping up the phone and everything's a disaster and I've got stuff flung all over the place, I'm ripping at this Ethernet cord to try and bring it off. It was taped down to the table. So I'm ripping at it, pulling at it. I finally pick up the piece of equipment. I plug it in. Sure enough, there's a connection. So uh, as the teams are coming back out of the timeout, I'm like, how do I make this work? One of my, my friends sitting next to me who works for TV in South Florida, I hand him the piece of broadcast equipment, put the headset back on. The producer is able to pop me back up, and I'm able to call the final two free throws and then the end of the game. So all in all, it was about three minutes I was off the air, but I actually only missed about 18 seconds of game time. Now you do it all over again, right? That is incredible. <laughs> yeah, oh minus the God. feeling of wanting to uh, to poop my pants. Yes, I would absolutely. <laughs> uh, I would absolutely do it all over again if it resulted in that. But that was um, that was that was close to me having one of the lowest moments of my career. Let me ask you know this this story of Florida. You know we get a team like this virtually every year, and Florida Atlantic. You could say is this year's Cinderella. But then I look at it and I go, but are they? I mean, they were ranked most of the year. They won 30 games. I think they were on people's radar as being probably underseeded. Final four, okay, maybe not, granted. But all of that said, Ken, and Ken Lavica, again, who is the voice of Florida Atlantic, is our guest on the Payless Sickers Hotline. How was this particular roster assembled? You know, was this the kind of group that, like, you got two transfers and an NIL kid and a late bloomer, or is this strictly an organic program of a seed that was planted and watered each and every year, and it's gotten to this point now? It's actually been a combination of all of those things. And and you mentioned, hey, FAU, uh, is this a Cinderella story? And if you look at the basic metrics that are used to to eventually cobble together the, the brackets, I mean, FAU has been in the top 25 in net and in the top 30 in Ken Palm for pretty much the entirety of the season after they beat Florida earlier in the year. So anybody who follows the sport, and I'm not I'm – not calling anybody casuals. Anybody who follows the sport, though, and knows how the sport works knows that FAU has been a statistical darling the entire season. As far as the roster is concerned, this is a team that that has a number of three- and four-year guys uh, that are still super young that have been able to come through the system. Elijah Martin, the second-leading scorer. Nellie Davis, the leading scorer. Those two are in their third year in the program. Mike Forrest is the lone player who loses his eligibility once whatever conclusion of the season comes uh, ends up uh, coming coming to be. Uh, Vlad Golden, this is his second year in an FAU uniform, the big 7-1 center. He was a transfer from Texas Tech. Jalen Gaffney off the bench. He's in his first year after transferring from UConn. So, again, it's a lot of homegrown guys, but it is 
is bits and pieces that have been taken from other programs looking for a fresh start. B.J. Greenlee, this is his third year in the program. He is a Gainesville native, though, and had a relationship with Dusty May prior. He went to Minnesota, didn't work out, decided to try and reinvent himself at FAU. Florida Atlantic has played the transfer portal well. It's been a haven for some guys that maybe felt like they were underappreciated. They weren't being treated properly. They hadn't been recruited properly. Nick Boyd, the starting point guard, missed all the last year with a broken foot. So getting him back was sort of like grabbing someone off the portal. But this is a group that has been together for two or three years, the core of it, which is a rarity in college basketball. And certainly the way they play, whether it's the ball movement, Euro style on offense or the switching on defense, all of that is aided by the fact that, yeah, these guys have known each other for quite some time. Again, Ken Levicka is with us. He is the voice of the Owls of Florida Atlantic. And, of course, their Indiana connections well-documented with Dusty May as their head coach and John L. Davis from Gary, Todd Abernathy, the local legend here, um, uh, one of their assistants as well. Ken, you, you've been at the at this job for 17 years. You know, as Jake said, I don't think it's maybe as much of a Cinderella in the fact that they've won 30-some games and all of that. It's more of a Cinderella, in my mind, of the history of the program. I mean, one NCAA tournament yeah. appearance before this this run as best you can whether it's in your 17 years or even before you took this job hell the program's only 34 years old I think can you describe what Florida Atlantic basketball has been like for the last three decades uh basically nothing it's existed but it really hasn't done much notable and this is why it is one of the great stories in the history of the sport because Florida Atlantic's lone NCAA tournament appearance was 2002. They won the Atlantic Sun that year, uh, fell to Alabama. From that point, 2002 to 2018, when Dusty May took over the program, there were only two, count them, two winning seasons in program history, finishing above 500. One of those resulted in a regular season championship in the Sun Belt in 2011, but then FAU got knocked out in its very first game of that conference tournament, got blown out by Miami in the NIT. So there's been nothing of note to celebrate with FAU, a number of single win seasons in that time. It has been dark, and especially as Florida Atlantic football came to be, Howard Schnellenberger starting the program, Lane Kiffin coming, reinventing the program, FAU starting to win championships. Basketball absolutely became an afterthought, but Dusty May came in, and it's been above 500 every single year. It's been incremental progress, almost won 20 games a season ago, and now it has all evolved into to what it's become. But Florida Atlantic doesn't have great facilities or hasn't had great facilities. The, the arena is certainly aged. It's a 2,900-seat arena, which ultimately is fine, but it needs a facelift. It hasn't been touched in 20 years. It got a $7.5 million gift thrown at it earlier this year, which is a testament to Dusty May, and so that's absolutely going to help. So there's progress coming. But Dusty May, what he has done, taking on this this 30-year-old used car, and uh, he's been able to soup it up into something where at least people are going to turn their heads and look at it as it drives down the street, and now it is two wins away from a national championship. It's, it's, it's honestly a major miracle forget minor miracle this thing's bordering on something out of uh, out of religion ken <laughs> one of the great things i think that that for florida atlantic that is and i know it's probably uncomfortable maybe even uncouth in your position to bring up but the reality is this whenever you have a team that's from outside of power five that makes a deep run that has a coach that that even in appearance seems younger than he is 
that coach becomes the hot name, and then all of a sudden, big-time programs come luring. You know, Penn State's open. Texas is technically open, but I would think not for long. I don't know that Penn State necessarily is is where Dusty May is a Big Ten area guy. We know he's from Indiana. Right. But I even look at, like, if Miami were to win it all and Larinaga maybe was to retire and to go out on top, even though he has time left on his contract, maybe that's a possibility. But it kind of feels like Florida Atlantic not only may have this run, but may able may be able to hold on to Dusty May. Am I overthinking it? You're not overthinking it, and trust me, I've 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 definitely sort of been running through scenarios in my mind a lot over the last I don't know actual two or three months because I mean this team's been rolling and Dusty even before this season I think was starting to become at least in in college basketball circles a bit of an attractive option because of what he had already accomplished and now that is sky high. But you're right. I mean, especially seeing that that Penn State it it seems like Mike Rhodes is a target uh and uh, now you've you've got texas that it seems like they're gonna as they should go with uh go with the interim man i just I, it's getting late in the process and you haven't heard a ton of dusty may connected to this job sort of uh, sort of discussion what the one thing that i'll say about dusty is that one he's an incredible human being and i know that everybody there uh the college basketball fans in indiana proud of their hoosier and he has a lot of indiana pride but he is is extremely he, he has a great great sensibility to not distracting from the main purpose you guys saw rick patino every press conference he had near the end of the season with iona and then into the ncaa tournament it basically was him uh, putting himself out there, talking about his future. It was he was he was doing his own impromptu job interview every time he had a, a mic in front of him, and I thought that that was extremely off-putting. Dusty has not answered one question this year in any detail about his future. It's all been FAU focused, Florida Atlantic. We have goals, we have championships that we want to win. We know we can do big things. I think that's part of the reason that that you and I feel that way right now is because Dusty's given no indication that he wants to leave FAU. I'm under no illusion that Dusty is is going to stay at Florida Atlantic for the entirety of his career, but it sort of feels like because of the way Dusty May has conducted himself that he's not going to leave FAU after this season. If he does, great for him. He has earned it. If he does not, we're not surprised, though, because he hasn't tipped his hand at all. He's kept the main thing the main thing this entire year. Ken, I got one more, and thank you for the time this morning. I know it's going to be a crazy week for you, so really appreciate you hopping on. You know, when Butler made their run to the title game here in India in 2010, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say they were out west for each of their first four games. So we didn't really kind of get to feel that maybe here locally until the Final Four, and obviously it was through the roof. Can you describe, like, what Boca Raton is like right now? I've been there for an NFL owners meeting. I can't say I was thinking too much about a Florida Atlantic tournament run when I was there a few years ago, but um, I'm looking at pictures of the gym. You mentioned all the hype just with the season of winning 30 games. What is kind of the scene like when you guys have returned home each of the last couple weeks? So I'm going to describe this as someone who did grow up in the Midwest. I'm a Chicagoan. Uh, I, I have an aunt who I love dearly who lives just outside of Anderson, so I'm very familiar with the Indianapolis area. I love that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is. Uh, so it was very much a culture shock when I first, uh, 17 years ago, came down to uh, to South Florida. So if you love 
uh, high-end dinners and you love uh, uh, Jamba Juice, then Boca Raton is absolutely your place. If you love to do uh, some uh, some some shopping outdoors, hey, Boca Raton is for you. Uh, if you want to retire to Boca Raton, there you go. I mean, so many communities you could move into. What I will say about Boca, because there is this perception that it's just where the olds go to live out their, their remaining years, um, it is getting younger and younger. And the FAU campus, when I came down, it was still referred to as a commuter campus. That's changed, and that hasn't been the case for about the last 12, 13 years. It is a certifiable big campus enrollment uh, right around 25,000, 26,000. So this is actually a big school in enrollment, um, but not so much in the athletics landscape. But Boca as a whole, yeah, it's pricey. It, there are definitely a, a lot of areas with it that are high-end. There's a lot of golfing communities within this, but there's also become this subset community of young people, whether it be the college students at FAU or just young people in general who have started to find a little bit of their place within what was an aging Boca community. So it's young, it's fun, it's vibrant. You can certainly pick your fun. It's a, the campus is a mile and a half from the beach. Uh, you can see the ocean from my broadcast perch at the football stadium. So all things considered, is it your traditional college campus? And these guys were on Ohio State's campus a week and a half ago uh, for the first two uh, games of this NCAA tournament. Is it that? No, absolutely not. But is it an outstanding place to be and live? And has this captured the imagination of this entire community where you've got to really sell them on a product before they commit to it? Yeah, they have. And I think that's as big a testament to their run as anything is that people in Boca, Palm Beach County, South Florida, even with Miami getting into the Final Four, they care now. They're invested, and that's a big, as big a win as anything. Well, the I can tell you the applications are going to go up about 30%. That's what yeah. always happens. Like Butler, oh, VCU, you know, all those schools, right? It puts Florida Gulf Coast, you know, all of a sudden kids know of it. And then they're like, man, that sounds like a cool place to go to school. And then they listen to Ken Lavica, and they're like, well, let me see. And then he sells them, and then now, boom. 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 50,000 kids applying. He's got me sold on the Jamba Juice. Are we taking that to Houston? <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm telling you, the the, the Apple and Greens uh, smoothie is legit, man. And one quick thing, since you mentioned Butler, uh, I'm a Valpo grad, and so oh. I want to remind Butler fans who won the Horizon League tournament that year uh, that Butler made the run. Look at okay. that. Well, at I, I, are you hoping Dusty May goes to Valpo? Valpo here? Where do your legions lie? Because, you know, Valpo's got a head coach opening. Valpo, yeah, Valpo does have an opening, I, but but I still owe them, like, parking tickets from when I, <laughs> money from when I was a student. So, uh, I have right now, I'm not feeling real warm towards Can them. Can the, the distance from Anderson, where your aunt lives, to the studio on Monument Circle, where we are right now, not very far, 45 minutes or so, about the same as it is from Boca Raton to Coral Gables, if there's ever a changing college basketball coaching I, I hate to be the reminder of that but yeah, you gotta but, wonder but keep in mind uh south florida traffic is absolutely terrible <laughs> no, I, I'm, move yeah. down here it Justin ain't been for want to I handle that ken yeah. as cool calm and collected in the final minute there madison square garden as the owls have been so far from their opener now on the way to houston awesome call ken great work saturday night and we can't thank you enough for the time all right, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. Ken Lavica, the voice of the Owls of Florida Atlantic. Again, Jake, to me, it's a Cinderella more in history of the program. Ken gets green tea in his Jamba Juice. How, how great was his energy? Um, <laughs> it, it, Different than this program. It is more about the fact that before 
two weeks ago, they had made one NCAA tournament and had never won a game. Like, when you think about Butler's run, Jake Butler made it to a couple Sweet 16s before their championship run. It's more the history of the program that is such a Cinderella nature. So thank you, Robert Selly, former co-worker of mine, who's in the Florida Atlantic Athletic Department for setting that up. Ken Levick, a voice of the Owls right there. Bye. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Kravitz joins us here in about five. All right, welcome back. Nine o'clock hour. Jake Ken Lavica, the energy from him, pretty darn good. We've been in those moments of, you know, connection kind of goes off air. Can you imagine being in that moment in Madison Square Garden? You've waited 17 uh, years to call an NCAA tournament game. That happens. I mean, I've been in not that level. But I mean, that'd be like you up there in turn times, three, Jake. No doubt. Lap I mean, 197. You're right. I mean, there have been, yeah, I, from a broadcast standpoint, you never know when equipment's going to go south on you. And I can only imagine. I mean, you to your point, most broadcasters will never get that opportunity, their team going to the Final Four. And I think that oftentimes when you hear the excitement and enthusiasm of a broadcaster, a lot of times it is the excitement and the, and the enthusiasm for that broadcaster of, I get to keep doing this. We're, we're moving on. I, holy cow! I'm going to the final four. You know, it, I mean that kind of thing. So it just it that natural energy comes out. So to know for a split second that wait a minute, that this may be it, and and nobody's going to hear me. I mean, kudos to him. For, yeah, I would be sweaty palms to say the least sure. in that moment. Bob Kravitz from the Athletic joins us now. His latest: Why not Colts? Chris Ballard, Jim Irsay should take big swing for Lamar Jackson. Bob, you are all in on Lamar Jackson, correct? All in, baby. I have been for a while, and why I didn't write about it, I have no idea. But uh, I've been saying it uh, on on air uh, for for a couple of weeks. And, you know, I just look at all these guys. There's, There's no Andrew Luck in this group. You know, would you rather have a proven commodity who's just 26 years old and is 46 and 15, uh, in his career, or would you rather have Will Levis, who we don't know really anything about? So, uh, you know, the fact that they didn't move up in the draft uh, and may still get moved out, you know, somebody may jump them to third and, and make them take the fourth uh, option. Why wouldn't you look at Lamar Jackson? Uh, maybe a smarter person than and there are plenty of those, uh, could explain why you wouldn't make a run at Lamar Jackson. So, Bob, I'm going to put it to you in the same terms that I asked Kevin this like an hour ago, okay? We're at the Final Four in college basketball. You have Connecticut, San Diego State, uh, Florida Atlantic, and Miami. You have four quarterbacks that I'm going to name for you in no particular order. Hennon Hooker of Tennessee, Anthony Richardson from Florida, Lamar Jackson, and Will Levis, which of those four would you say, please align for me the odds that they will be an Indianapolis Colt with the team in the final four in ranking of odds they'll win the national championship? <laughs> this is very complicated. I've only had one coffee, man. Well, I look, I, I think Levis is the most likely guy 
just because of where he's in. And if you're asking me, most likely uh, in the NCAA, I, I like UConn. Okay. UConn looks like the best team to me. Um, after that, I would say um, I don't think they're going to draft Anthony Richardson. I think he'd be the lowest uh, of the group. Having said that, they probably will. Um uh, so is that is that Florida Atlantic to you? That'll be that'll be Florida Atlantic to me. Okay. Then uh, you know maybe Lamar would be Miami uh, and uh, San Diego State. Who is who is our fourth guy? Hendon Hooker. Uh, oh, Hendon Hooker. Yeah, yeah. That's th- there would be there would be uh, you know pitchforks and <laughs> it would get ugly down at West Fifty Six. If they traded back or if they didn't take a quarterback in the first round well, and went with Hendon Hooker. Bob, can on. you imagine can you imagine if they traded no. back thinking they're gonna get Hendon Hooker and then all of a sudden you know, insert name of team that nobody expected swoops in, moves up and takes him at fifteen and the Colts are left in the cold. That that would be right. ugly. Right. Oh, it would be awful. And I mean, <clears throat> there's only so many years you can continue to kick the can down the road. This is it. No more messing around. And you know, I look. I, I think it, it pays if you're Chris Ballard and you get one of these rookies and they go Zach Wilson on you. You're out of a job. You know, if you if you bring in Lamar Jackson, everybody expects him to play well. If he doesn't play well for some reason, is that is that on um, on the GM? I I don't know. I think that buys Ballard a little more time uh, on his. I mean, he's extended through twenty six, I believe. But if if I'm Ballard and I'm looking out for my own self, uh, uh, you know, my 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 own situation, I, I'm looking at I'm looking at Lamar Jackson. What what I don't understand, and I, I've been reading. The stories, you know, that Zach has written going to the quarterback uh, pro days, Colts don't – I mean, they got a scout there, but the the, the top guys aren't even there. I don't, I don't understand that. Yeah, I think going back to the Lamar, you know, Ballard job status, I mean, if you miss on Lamar, Ballard gets fired too. I mean, I, I think no matter what quarterback move you make, Ballard is going to be tied to that. I mean, he, he has to be. Uh, well, he, he is, but you, you have a much better chance of success with Lamar. Would, yeah, wouldn't it, you agree? Well, I, I guess the, the pushback I would add, and again, Bob Kravitz joins us here from The Athletic. His latest, he believes the Colts should pursue Lamar Jackson. My issue would be his durability, Bob, over the last two years. We're talking two lower body injuries in the month of December. So, you know, that's huge right. for how his game, his style is. Again, late in the season, that to me is saying wear and tear gets to him late in the year. And you pay him all that money up front and you're giving two first round picks to Baltimore. That's where I get into the hesitancy stage. I know full well you've got hesitancy in drafting any sort of quarterback that just comes with right. the nature of a, of a rookie QB. But shelling out all of that for a guy that's had some injury history and you worry about his playing style as his career moves along, that's where I have concern. Yeah, I, I'm i not as concerned about the injuries. I mean, Joe Burrow missed, what, all the year or most of a year? Uh, his second year, maybe. Yeah, Torres ACL is a rookie. But, you know, Burrow, Burrow's much more of a pocket guy, Bob. I mean, right. uh, for no, Lamar to be Lamar, that. he's got to be out in the open field making he's guys run. miss. He's got to run, and and they they need it to the degree it's possible. They need to refine that to some degree. I mean, look at what look at what Sykin did with Jalen Hurts. I mean, took 
primarily a running quarterback and turn him into a hell of a passer. So, I mean, I still think there's room for Lamar to grow, and maybe maybe they were, maybe they figure out a way to uh, minimize uh, the you know how often he 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 gets hit. So I don't know. I, I just look at the history. I mean, you make good points, uh, but they're not as good as mine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Bob. Here's my thought on Lamar Jackson. Chris Ballard knows, to Kevin's point, that that a lot is going into this quarterback decision. Chris Ballard also knows that if you draft Will Levis or Anthony Richardson or Hendon Hooker, you are buying with it. It's like a buy one, get one free of a couple of extra years of patience from your fan base and maybe your owner to an extent every everyone knows that with a rookie quarterback it takes a little bit of time everyone knows that and and that you can't really even evaluate things until probably like 18 20 25 games of the roster around them you bring in lamar jackson the clock starts right now let's go and you have now shortened the amount of uh, of leash you get uh, maybe at the same time if one of these rookies turns out to be zach wilson and it's abundantly obvious after just a season or two that he ain't the right guy, um, then I think that that falls on Ballard as well. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, look, if, if it was my job and I had to uh, rely on one of these uh, aforementioned quarterbacks, I sure as hell would take my chances with Lamar Jackson. Again, 46-15. and 15. Hasn't been great in the playoffs. But then you look at Peyton Manning. Peyton didn't win his first playoff game till I believe his fourth or fifth game, and it was the sixth year before he won his first playoff game. It was against uh, Denver, I believe. So I don't know. I mean, it's a good point. But again, it's just not as good as mine. A <laughs> no, hey, stubborn Bob Kravitz with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline on this Monday morning. Bob, shifting gears, we haven't really talked a lot about them, and I guess understandably, but there's two weeks to go in the Pacers season. Um, it looks like they are going to miss the playoffs. I would call this season about as close to a roaring success as they yeah. could have hoped for. How do you uh, view this year? This has been the least painful uh it wasn't a tank, certainly, but it, it was the least painful non-playoff season I can ever remember. You know, we we all thought that there would be a lot of pain, that they would win 20-something games. No, I mean, they, they have had a good season given, uh, you know, the people that they have. Uh, a lot of the young guys have really developed. You know, I'm a little, I'm a little scared with what's going on with Matherin right now. He's, he's, doesn't seem to have it right now, but you know, you look at him, you look at Nemhard. Uh, I think they've developed their young guys. We know they, they know what they've got with with Halliburton. Um, I just think they need to add a piece or two, and they're going to be a competitive team in the you know in the lower part of the playoffs. But I'm at this point, you know, if you if you're anywhere close to sniffing the play-in game, a lot of guys have to come down with hamstring pulls. Yeah. Bob, you know, I mean, and, and we've already seen that. There was a lot of talk at the beginning of the year, first third of the season, of uh, Benedict Matherin being in the discussion for rookie of the yeah. year. Is it possible that he's not 
the winner of the Pacers Rookie of the Year when considering totality of the season? Compared to what? Uh, to Nemhard. Uh, to Nemhard? Nah, I still look. I mean, he's still averaging what seventeen points a game. He's still. I mean, he's just. He he's had a bad run lately. I don't know if he's hit the rookie wall or, you know, if Rick's screwing around with him too much. I, I have no idea. I I have not been real real close to that situation in the last couple of weeks. But no, I look. I, I think Nemhard is going to be a hell of a player. Yeah, he's had. A, I mean, he, my point being. Nemhard has had a really good, and maybe it's just really based run. on the expectation of where they were drafted, right? But he's had yeah, a really nice exactly. year. I mean, this is a guy, yeah, he got the, the biggest guaranteed contract of any second rounder ever, and you, you thought, what? And <laughs> he's he's proven that uh, he's all that. I mean, he's, he's a hell of a player. Again, Bob Kravitz with us from The Athletic. Bob, I know, you know, with the athletic, it's much more of a national kind of audience that you're reaching out to. So if you haven't paid any attention to it, I totally get it. Um, have you followed at all the Flory Badunga kid at Kokomo um, who played in the state finals with with Ben Davis? A little bit. I, I know. I know everybody and his mother was out there to see him. Yeah, I mean that was a who's who in the front row. I guess that was kind of the other place I was going to go. Obviously, you saw all those names Saturday night with those coaches. Do you have a favorite NCAA tournament storyline? We know locally it's been a bit of a dud here, but with the Final Four coming up on Saturday, is there a storyline that's really kind of caught your eye? Yeah, yeah, Dusty May. You know, being an Eastern Green guy, you know, uh, you know and despite that, I still like him. Uh, JMB, right? Um, <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, what's interesting to me, and I might reach out to these guys this week, is that three now, the, the, May makes three guys who were all in the same group of managers uh, at IU for Bob Knight, who are all now D1 coaches. Well, one one is an assistant coach at Duke. The other one is at UC Santa Barbara, Pasternak, and, and, uh, and Dusty May. That's amazing that you got three guys from the same uh, you know, class, as it were, uh, of Bob Knight uh, managers who have gone on to become D1 coaches. That That's amazing. Well, hell, Lawrence Frank's got to be say, just yeah, five years ahead that. of him, right? Right. And, and you know, look at uh, our friend Ryan Carr, you know, who's done great, you know, really good things with uh, with the Pacers. So, um, you know, that, that it's really become you, – you talk about coaches' trees. I mean, <laughs> I think these guys are part of the night tree to some degree. I mean, it certainly can't hurt that you watched and observed basketball practice every single day for four right, years, right? right. And, and the way things are run. Um, and Dusty May, Bob, I was thinking about this, and, and Kevin and I were just talking about it. For Dusty May, the one thing that's going to be interesting, a lot of times, Dusty May would be the hottest name right now in college basketball coaching circles to take a, a non-Power 5 to the Final Four within five or six years of getting there, except for there's no jobs open. I mean, Penn State, okay, but I feel yeah. like going from Florida Atlantic to Penn State is just going into a power five. I, we're, it's you're a tough doomed. gamble, right? It, it, you are, but at the you, same you, time... You're, you're really doomed there. I mean, but at Florida Atlantic, if you don't go back to deep tournament runs, then do you become Paul Hewitt? Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. You know, it's something uh, I'm kind of changing the subject on you a little bit, but it's interesting to me that 
when the NIL really came online, we thought that the rich would get richer and the poor would get poorer. And I realized that we're only a year or two into it. But look at this final four, you know, and the fact that Miami with their sugar daddy, um, uh, Robert Ruiz, I think is his name. I mean, they've paid their way to the final four and it's counterintuitive to those of us who kind of grew up with the goofy idea of uh, amateurism, which is obviously crap, but uh, it's strange that you go into the final four and you've got this team that's bought and paid for, and it doesn't feel good at the same time. I'm happy for these kids. People forget that both, uh, Trace Jackson Davis and Zach Eady both made about $900,000 this year from NIL. So um, it's just been, it's been strange that uh, a team like Miami, you know, they go and spend the money on Wong and the, uh, the other kid, and uh, and here they are in the final four, so it, it pays to pay. But I'll tell you, Bob, I, I can't be the only one in this thought, and I know that, that Purdue obviously was very good this year, and Indiana had a very good year. I turn on, you know, Texas and Miami, or I watch Connecticut in the tournament and think to myself, this feels light years ahead of where Indiana and even Purdue, who was ranked number one more than anybody. It just feels like a style that is light years ahead of both schools. Guards, guards, guards. And you you don't think Matt Painter made a run at Nigel Pack, the kid from Lawrence uh, Central? Well, there goes your NIL thing there, right? Yep. Exactly. You know, I mean, they, uh, down in Miami, they got this Ruiz guy and he was willing to pay. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know Purdue's NIL situation, but it clearly was not as lucrative for this young man. And I'm, I'm cool on these guys, you know, making money. It's just, uh, you know, I'm just surprised that, you know, I, like I said, I, I thought the rich would get richer, but that hasn't been the case. Look at this final four and maybe, it's a one-year anomaly. I don't know. But uh, you've got teams in there that we never would have thought of, and I wonder how much NIL has uh, made an impact. Certainly certainly for Miami. I don't know about the other teams in their situations. Again, Bob's latest. The Colts should pursue Lamar Jackson. Bob, good stuff in there. Appreciate the time, and uh, have a great week, man. All right, boys. Take care. It's Bob Kravitz from The Athletic. Um, on that note that Bob was just bringing up, Miami well documented, you know, from a transfer standpoint. Nigel Pack from Kansas State, uh, Jordan Miller, who was outstanding against Indiana, was outstanding yesterday from George Mason. Uh, the big kid, O'Mare, he transferred from Arkansas State. So I do think it's interesting. They had two guys just kind of transfer up, you know, from the George Mason, Arkansas State. Uh, San Diego State has got a decent amount of transfers as well. But Jake, if you look at UConn, they really of their frontline guys of the main guys they play. Pretty much everybody's just kind of organically grown through their program. They've recruited very, very well. They've they developed have very, very well. well. Yeah. And then we just had you know Ken Levick on talking about Florida Atlantic. They've got the big kid who transferred from Texas Tech. They don't really have a lot either. So if you look at it, it's kind of split. Miami has been heavy transfer portal. Um, San Diego State, I think maybe not to that level, but pretty similar. UConn and Florida Atlantic. Not as much when you look into the portal. I think one thing that has been a common occurrence, Jake, here in recent years, and I think we'll see it no matter who cuts down the nets a week from tonight in Houston, you do not see freshman-laden groups make deep 
deep tournament runs. That just hasn't been the case in the NCAA tournament here for the last handful of seasons. And I think at times we almost probably should have put more stock in that in evaluating Purdue this year of, especially in the backcourt, when you play freshman heavy guards so many minutes, you just don't really get on those sorts of runs, whether it you know, Virginia or Villanova or even Kansas last year, uh, that has not been the case here as of late. Do you so, know the, the weird stuff that my brain thinks about? Uh, sadly, I do know that, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is this the first time? Not the first time. I, I'm sure it's happened. Well, obviously, the first year would have been the first time. But how often do we have a Final Four where every team mascot nickname has never before been to a final four other than with that school i don't think have any other huskies besides connecticut been in a final four washington's never been right northern illinois not been has washington never been i don't think i'm going to look that up um nobody no hurricanes right i'm gonna don't think we've ever hooted our way to the final four with any temple owls maybe no well temple's John Chaney never went to a Final Four. I know that. I, let's see if Temple went. Don't know a lot um, of other Aztecs. Temple has been. There we go. Boom. Temple went in 56 and 58. Oh, duh. What's that? that was, uh, duh. That was obvious. Yeah. John Chaney Sr. took Temple to the Final Four. So so the Owls, they were using that, that back in 56 and 58. Now, how would you rate the weather destinations of the four final four schools you've got some pretty enticing spring break destinations Boy, you, of these what, you know what you know what I, I thought of this as well you'd rather be in boca or san diego san diego yeah, you san get diego. that breeze baby mm-hmm. i thought about this miami for some nightlife if if once florida who got in first florida atlantic before miami right uh, yeah, Florida Atlantic yeah, Florida Atlantic one Saturday. Mm-hmm. So once Florida Atlantic was in, I'm like, okay, you got Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, UConn, and then the way my weird brain thinks was, man, it's too bad that Oregon or Washington, who have been number one seeds in the past, too bad neither of those could have had a year where they got in because then literally the final four would be the four corners. And I thought that'd be cool. Sounds like an Indian high school basketball game. UConn is easily fourth place in the destination. Oh, for sure. Stores, Connecticut. And I hear that campus is not very nice. Hey, the other three are pretty darn good, though. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, there's no no shame in being fourth in that list, right? Mm -hmm. Again, the second highest total. If you add up all the seeds, we've got the second highest ever with 23. Back in 2011, it was 26. Those four teams were Butler, VCU. I think I was like 8-11, Butler 8, VCU 11. Kentucky was a 3. UConn, I believe, was a 4. Now, Butler might have been a 9 that year. The other thing that's going to happen... That was also in Houston, by the way, that, that Final Four. The other thing that's going to happen, watch, is people always say that they love the Cinderella. They love the, you know, I'm tired of the Blue Bloods. I'm tired of Duke. I'm tired of Kentucky. I'm tired of Kansas. I get it. TV rating is going to be awful. Terrible. Yeah, That's CBS correct. is pissed. No doubt. People, I mean, yeah. San Diego, can you imagine if the national championship game is... What would be the least exciting matchup for people? San Diego State and Miami? Yeah, probably. I mean, Florida Atlantic, at least you get like the Cinderella story, mm-hmm. like, wow, you know, whatever. Well, Jake, I know we talked about this Final Four a whole lot last week. Remember the final four game of Florida, or the national title game of Florida-UCLA here? 
Yeah. You know, that was one of... So this is the fourth Final Four that you've had without a number one seed. That was one of them. Awful national title game. And then, again, go back to 2011 when you had Butler-UConn. Yeah. I know I know the product was awful in that national title game, but I don't think a lot of people were making their Saturday plans nationally around Butler-VCU. The, the one thing I remember about the Butler... Actually, two things I remember about that Final Four. Number one, I, I watched the Champs. At Champs, I watched Butler and VCU for Kevin Lee's 40th birthday, and Greg Graham was in there. And I'm like, how many people in here that like were watching the Indiana Duke Final Four 20 years prior to that, and they have no clue that one of the guys, that they were like living on every moment of that guy's playing, and he's like standing right over there, you know, drinking a blue moon. Nobody even notices. But um, the only thing I remember about the Butler-Connecticut game, 32 minutes without a field goal in the second half and the first half. Not, not literally, but remember it was like the ugliest played game ever. Jeremy Lamb was a star in that game. I was going to say, I think Butler just got another shot clock violation. I think <laughs> Chase DeGaul just tried to throw one up from 40 feet, and Butler just got another one there. Zach Hahn to Chase DeGaul, and they just got another. Yeah, that was ugly, to say the least. Um, Butler in Houston the year after, of course, they made their run to Indy. All right, pop quiz coming up in a few. 317-239-1070 for that. Uh, for now, let's do a morning check down. The morning check down. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Jake, the Pacers have got seven to go in this season. Two weeks left. They are three and a half games back of the final play-in game. They lost both of their contests this weekend, Celtics and Hawks. Uh, They gave up 143 to the Hawks. Trey Young got ejected in the third quarter. Jordan Wara did set a franchise record for the Pacers with 25 points in the second quarter of that game, which... Boy, you imagine that trivia question about 10 years down the road. Yeah. Who's got the Pacers franchise record for most points in a quarter? Uh, The Celtics, it was a decent first half on Friday night, and then the Celtics kind of imposed their will. I did think it was very interesting, Jake, that on Friday, and we saw it again Saturday, for the first time all year, um, you saw the Pacers commit to Buddy Heald coming off the bench and then Tyrese Halliburton with Benedict Mathern in the starting lineup. Uh, then Isaiah Jackson actually started for Miles Turner on Saturday night with Turner out for that one. So it's late in the season, but I think you're starting to see a few signs of the old white flag being thrown up by the Pacers. I would agree with that. I, you know, time subtle to, subtle ways. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And of course, tonight they will not be seeing Luka Doncic because it appears as though he is going to be suspended from the NBA for 16 technical foul after a 40.12 rebound performance last night. But it was not enough. As or uh, yeah, what enough? Charlotte defeats Dallas 110-104. The Bulls, Grizzlies, LeBron back by the way for the Lakers had 19 yesterday. Bulls, Grizzlies, Celtics, Cavs. Magic Raptors, Thunder, and Timberwolves yesterday all getting wins in the association. Mavs, Bucks, and Thunder this week for the Pacers all at home. Pacers, I think just a slight underdog tonight with no Luka. The Mavs have been an utter disaster. Do they still have Luka Pizza? Pacers actually favored. Was Luka Pizza bought out by the Saboro folk? Saboro? Saboro, whatever it's called. Sparrow. Huh? Sparrow. There's no P in there. It's 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 not Sabaro. It's it's jeez boy. The, it's S B A R R O. Firing right? on the old. Yeah, that'd be Zbar- pronunciation Zbaro, guide right? here. Yeah, it's Sabaro. We're from no, Indiana. No, no. We it's can say B- whatever. It's not Sabaro. I know there's no. A. You say there's no P. There's no A. 
in the front of the correct, bee. but but the bee there's the, definitely a bee sparrow sparrow right but 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 it's so not a borrow? P sound it's a B sound yeah see see so borrow see S O B A can we get a commercial from them and find out I don't know how they say it yeah I'm sure they're gonna it. be thrilled to endorse with us after that no 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 I mean can you find one on like on the YouTube oh yeah let me get right on it I'll oh, play like some commercials like, today I'll some great robot voice they advertise on that in Jersey or something right. Hey, get some small pizza! <laughs> Your mother! Uh, rundown on the state finals from Saturday night. Jake, how about Lutheran, the Class A game? They scored 97. That tied Christmas Attics in 1955 for the most points ever in a state championship game. The wild thing about Lutheran, I was looking at their scores. It's not like this was the norm for them this year. They scored 55 in semi-state, 43 in a regional game. So they well, you add those two together to subtract one, you get what they got. Well, I guess you could go... <laughs> Down that route. Blackhawk Christian came back to beat Linton. Um, obviously extremely emotional there. The Mark Davidson story. Uh, Matt Roth taking over for him. And they Matt Roth was emotional. Two-way game. Yeah, very, very emotional scene post-game. Northwood beat Garen in overtime. Garen came back like five or six different times in that game to tie it up. Forcing it in overtime, but Northwood wins 3A. And then 4A with the who's who sitting front row inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Is that the biggest crowd that building has seen this year? No, because they had 15-5. The Pacers usually get like 17 and a half. But there are areas for the Pacer games that are open up that were not for a high school game. Pacers are getting 17 and a half? I thought their attendance was near the, n- near the bottom. Well, it is, but, they, but most places hold like, what, 22 or 23, right? Let's see what the Pacers are averaging. I'm seeing 15-4 here for the Pacers this year. That's their average? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because, I mean, on weekend – maybe I should have said on weekend nights. On nights when you go and, you know, you factor in the Tuesday night games, it probably hurts them a little bit. Yeah, 15-4 um, is 29th in the league. The percentage, if you go off percentage, is probably a little bit more accurate, of course, based off building size. 28th in the league, 86.4% okay. of the building there. Uh, Kokomo made a run in the third quarter, but Zane Dowdy, the big dude for Ben Davis, he just looks like a guy that can play. He was outstanding. Standing. Be curious to see where he ends up. Ken Lavica, we had him on earlier, the Valpo product, the Florida Atlantic radio uh, color guy. He's going to be helping the new coach for Valpo secure Zane Dowdy. So we'll see if he reopens his recruitment with Valpo making a fire. Mark Zachary was really good for Ben Davis, young guard who's going to be extremely talented. Flory Badunga had 19, 11, and 5. He was 9 of 12 from the field but yes Ben Davis will go down as certainly one of the best teams in state history and Jake I think what adds to it which I know there's several teams that qualify for this but I think what adds to how good Ben Davis was this year they also play in the best conference in the state yeah you know it's not like they were a not to be too discriminatory of other parts of the state but they weren't you know an Evansville team that went under no question no question so I think that adds to it all right it's time for the pop quiz 317-239-1070 the first question should be is it pronounced Sapporo or oh you have it oh gosh Sabaro. huh I'm picturing like we're on like a transatlantic flight and they just like came on video. I'm sorry. That's what I said. That's how I said it. Huh? That's how I said it. I'm right. You're wrong. No, you said Sparrow. 
Yeah. And I said, no, it's Subaru. And no, you said like, no, Subaru. No a, I believe you said there's no A in there. You got very snippy about it. Mark, aren't you glad you came back? Oh, man, I can't wait. Which, which of the two of us is in the last year has been to the old country? I don't know. Was that you? Oh, uh, Mark, did you not do the Around the World? Yeah, I did around. I was going to say. Disney? I, I definitely had some spaghetti at Epcot. <laughs> okay. That does qualify. That's better, actually, than the margarita pizza that I had in Florence. Now you guys are right. talking about this. I'm like, should I go to Vizzoli's today for lunch? Get the breadsticks? Yeah, breadsticks really, unlimited. Really uh, bring out the old country. Go to Vizzoli's. Yeah, exactly. Uh, pop quiz time is next. 317-239-1070. Have you stuck? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. I have not yet really taken a deep dive on the... Number four is going to take an hour to read. (laughs) That's usually the case for half of them, isn't it? A lot of college basketball flavor throughout. I mean, maybe the whole thing. With Miami making the Final Four, it's a reminder that Rick Barry actually attended Miami. Jim Laranega's stepfather one time was on that 56 (laughs) Temple team that made the Final Four. The household team of Temple's. Household. 56. So we also... You know, when we, we haven't done a show since, obviously, the Elite Eight, and then now we have a Final Four set. So it's the first time in tournament history that no one seed made the Elite Eight, too, right? Yes, that is definitely true. Gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, the of the, of the number one seeds that got bounced, it had to be the worst for Kansas to then have to sit around and watch Kansas State go to the Elite Eight and to have Greg Gumbel say... Look at the celebration of the Kansas Jayhawks. <laughs> Boy, you could really argue who had the – well, obviously Purdue had the most embarrassing. But think about how the one seeds all lost. Purdue, the embarrassment. Kansas, like you said, Jake, they lose the to Kansas punch, State. Right? Well, uh, they didn't lose to them, but they just had to watch right, them go Right, they watched yeah. Kansas State get on a run. Uh, Houston was playing for a trip to go to their own city for the Final Four. <laughs> and Alabama's dealing with murder charges. <laughs> okay. Okay. Would you rather be Purdue or Alabama? Well, would you would you rather lose to a 16 or have your lottery pick be involved with the delivery of a felony? Okay, well. Not ideal for the one seeds, to say the least. Um, all right, Mark, give us a number, one through eight. Uh, seven. Number seven is who? Uh, it happens to be Mark. Oh, what are the odds of that? Good morning, Mark. Good morning. Mark, you go with a, a K or a C on the end of your name? K. Yeah. He's not at the C meetings. Mark, have you called well, the program before? Oh, yeah. No. Better assume names. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Mark always brings good energy. Okay. Mark, well, how's your bracket looking? Well, I trashed that a week ago. <laughs> yeah. You and me, but who'd you have winning at all? I had Arizona. Gonzaga. Or Gonzaga. You know, that's actually not a bad call because I, I, you kind of felt like if there was a year they were going to break through, you know, this would be it, right? Yeah, I really thought Timmy was going to come through. Does he Good come player. back for another year? <laughs> Does he have a ninth year of eligibility? It's crazy. He's, he's only played in four. 
Well, I say I think only. he gets tenure if he comes back. He's only been there for four years, and he's only played in three tournaments because of COVID. It actually would be year 10, so that would make there you sense, go. Mark. All right, um, Mark, would you like for me, that would be Jake, to lead you off with question number one, or would you like for Kevin to lead you off? Can Mark do it? Oh, look at that. Look I like the curveball. All right. <laughs> Let's have Mark read number four. Uh, go ahead, Mark. Oh, okay. You want me to read number one then? Sure. All right, Mark. Florida Atlantic is just the fifth team since seeding began in 1979 to make a run to the Final Four after entering the tournament with zero NCAA tournament game wins. Who was the first? Indiana State, George Mason, Virginia, or Georgia? What was the question again? Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> doubt, Mark, think local. Indiana State. There you go. All right, number two, Mark. San Diego State is if in the. Mark couldn't follow question one. We are completely out to lunch. Four. 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 We are. I'm concentrating now. All right, lock in, Mark. <laughs> one for one, all right? San Diego State is in the final four of the NCAA men's basketball tournament for the first time. Name the last Mountain West Conference school to reach the final four while being a Never member of, of the conference. What'd you say? Never happened. Technically, I mean, he's... All right, Mark. Man, you are locked in, Mark. I'm just picturing you on the edge of your seat right now. Question three, Mark. Florida Atlantic, Miami, and San Diego State have reached the Final Four for the first time in history, joining four-time champion Connecticut. The last time three first-time Final Four schools faced off was in 1970, and they were joined by UCLA, who won the national title, by the way. Which of the following teams did not play in the 1970 Final Four? Okay. Would it be Bob Lanier and St. Bonaventure? Mm. Would it be Western Kentucky? (laughs) Would it be the alma mater? No. I'm sorry. New Mexico State uh, was not. New Mexico was Mel Daniels. So, anyway, New Mexico State or Artis Gilmore in Jacksonville. One of those. So, St. Bonaventure, Western Kentucky, New Mexico State, or Jacksonville. Think local again. Oh, or close hey, to the adventure and bobbling air. <laughs> okay. Do we need a no. dump button that, Mark? I, 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 don't, I don't know. Did he say Sabaro? Is that what he was saying there? Sounded like it. All right, number four is extremely long. Uh, the girl from Iowa last night, Caitlin Clark, had 41, 10, and 12. Uh, name the only player to record two triple doubles in NCAA tournament play. Gary Grant. Shaquille O'Neal. Why does Gary Grant sound like a third baseman for the Royals? It's Michigan, baby. Shaquille O'Neal, Draymond Green, or Andre Miller? This guy got into a Tom Crean one time in Bloomington. What was B? His last name is a primary color of his school. Gary Grant, Shaquille O'Neal, Draymond Green, or Andre Miller? Draymond Green. Okay, question five, Mark. Thank you. Yes, you're you're welcome, Mark. 25 years ago today, the Bulls and Hawks played at the Georgia Dome before 62,046 fans, the largest crowd in NBA history at that time. The record has since been broken. Name the venue, which was earlier mentioned on this program, that now holds the record. Wow. Boy, I tell you what, all he needed was to tell himself, let's get locked in. Mark, you are a loyal listener, aren't you? Yeah. Mark, when you go to the gas station on like a long trip, what are your go-to items? Beer. <laughs> yes. Jerky. 
Let's go! You're in jerky. Hell yeah. Mark, Beer someone else. And jerky. Someone else is driving you on the road trip, right, Mark? Oh, no. Well, sometimes. Mark, we need you at our PBR party. We'll just reserve a mini keg for you. All right. I'll slide some jerky uh, sticks your way. Long necks, man. Long necks? All right. We'll see what we can drum up here. Um, per usual, great effort from Mark once he got locked in. Uh, yes, Indiana State, the first team. Uh, see, uh, correct. Mark is your, began to is your favorite television reporter in town, Emily Longnecker? <laughs> <laughs> no, she's a serious dude. Sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Indiana State was correct, uh, yes. Correct. Uh, San Diego State, the Aztecs, are indeed the first Mountain West representative in the Final Four. <laughs> oh, that is horrifying. We need them to lose Saturday night. That's why so it's the bad. death whistle. It's supposed to be scary. Uh, Draymond Green was right. Alma Dome, the one Loud that he, and proud. One that Mark slipped up on uh, Western Kentucky, right? Not St. Bonaventure? Western Kentucky is indeed correct. They actually went a year later in 1971. But no Gene Cady there, right? Just yet. That's right. He would not have been there. I was thinking, by the way, Reggie Theus is the one that went to New Mexico State. Mel Daniels went to New Mexico. But I don't think Theus would have been on that 70 team. A little early for that. I mentioned earlier, Jake, you know, we didn't see Matt Painter in the building on Saturday night. I think some people were like, you know, isn't he recruiting – Flory Badunga. Someone just sent me a picture of him at um, Huntington North from earlier this season watching. Somebody else said he play. was – I guess there was a tweet that he was at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Oh, maybe he just wasn't front row. Just wasn't front row, yeah. So. Uh, by the way, this report that just came out, you're going to hear a ton of this. Uh, report, the Ravens are not fully committed to a Lamar Jackson return and Lamar is open to a change of scenery. The NFL teams uh, are watching the Colts. NFL teams are watching the Colts as a team that could go after Lamar if they don't get the quarterback they want in the draft. Okay. Uh, owners' meetings this week from Arizona. So I think we'll see more of those sorts of reports. Um, Shane Steichen going to meet the media out there in about an hour. Jim Mercer just sent a picture of himself. Nina Steichen, the wife of Shane, and Shane, Shane, a very nice white button down. Uh, his wife holding a looks like a glass of red wine. A little nervous about this. Ooh boy, spillage yeah. on that. Also, Coach Ursay looks really nice. I like that jacket for him. Nice blue blazer there. He, he for wears, Coach Ursay. Uh, Ursay wears that a lot, right? That one. It's kind of a seersucker look. No, no tie. Phone. Oh yeah, it's like his... usually he's in tie mode. Uh, he mentions in the tweet, the new era underway with Coach Steichen and wife Nina. He's the youngest Colts head coach since Don Shula in the 1960s. Uh, we have a name of local interest visiting Indiana out of the transfer portal. We'll hit on that when we round out the show here. Beer and jerky. That's on Mark's diet here on this Monday morning. Not Mark Dykton. Mark the caller. We'll be back next. Uh, thank you, by the way, to... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Derek Thomas from the News, Channel 6, who reminds me, Reggie Theus went to UNLV. He coached at New Mexico State. That was what I was thinking of, so I apologize for that. Um, that was in reference to our pop quiz? Yeah, I, I had mentioned... 
with New Mexico State is the answer that Reggie Theus. He played at UNLV, coached at New Mexico State. New Mexico State, the opponent for Tom Crean and the Hoosiers. First year, first round of the tournament in 2012. I was out at the Rose Garden in Portland. It was the last game. It was like the Kent State game this year for Indiana. It was the last game on Friday night. Indiana absolutely smoked them. Do you have any recollection of that tournament? Will Sheehy, the game winner against VCU. That that was the VCU one, yeah. yeah. Great game. Yeah, Sheehy had a baseline jumper there. And then a really, really good game in the Georgia Dome in the Sweet 16. The rematch between Indiana-Kentucky after the watch shot game that December. Terrific game. And that was... Kentucky's team that won it all that year. Now that 2012 uh, New Mexico State team was that Reggie got, Theus? No, I want to say it was Marvin Menzies, Menzies something or other. He, he had a crazy player named um, something Wendell. Wendell, uh, Mr. Wendell. I love that song. God, he was nuts. He like guaranteed a win and Marvin Menzies is correct. Safe to say it didn't happen. That was fun, though, to be out there for the first couple of rounds. Uh, speaking of Indiana, Jake, they're hosting Ball State transfer Peyton Sparks um, for a visit. This is via Alex Bozich over at Inside the Hall. The, the Sparks story is interesting. I've heard Michael Lewis talk about him. This is now kind of the second year that he's flirted with transferring from Ball State. Grew up in Winchester, which is you know really close to Muncie, just east of Muncie. He's been a nice player at Ball State. Um and kind of an all-Mac type of player, averaged 13-8 and eight this past year for him. Got to the foul line at a really high rate. And, you know, I'm kind of going off of what Michael Lewis said, I think on our airwaves a couple weeks ago. It's one of those where he's kind of torn on of, you know, he's got a guy that's obviously been a really good player for him. He wants him to stay, but at the same time, Michael Lewis was saying there's an element of, like, don't you tell these guys we can get you to places that you dream of playing at? Right. <clears throat> And, you know, Peyton Sparks wasn't that type of recruit coming out of high school. Um, But now he's kind of earned the right to be looked at by some of these schools. So, obviously, Indiana, a need in the front court in the portal. So, that'll be an interesting There was another player from Towson State that supposedly was visiting Indiana. I mean, I get it. I'm like, you want to use the portal, but you just want a bunch of Parker Stewarts. You know what I mean? I mean, well... Then you watch Miami play and you say, can we get some of that? Yeah, I mean, for sure. And again, you look at the Miami, it's not just Nigel Pack. The two big guys both transferred up, quote-unquote. Jordan Miller from George Mason and uh, the O'Meara kid is from Arkansas State. A and couple. Of, wasn't the uh, Noel guy, wasn't he a Arkansas Little Rock transfer from Kansas State? He, he is. Yes, he was a transfer, yes. Yeah, I think he was Little Rock. Um, <clears throat> several people asked, by the way, and I appreciate it. Uh, Boo the cat, the rescue cat. Um, yeah, did you tell Mark about Boo? Oh, I guess Mark was gone, yeah. I did see your tweet about it, though. Yeah, so Boo, um, I felt sorry for him because from the time that I, I got him on Thursday, he basically went and hid underneath my guest bedroom bed. I would see him occasionally slink out to get something to eat, and then I would you know, kind of make my presence known and he would immediately slink back away i felt bad for him i feel sorry for him because um, you're like hey in the 1988 sweet 16 <laughs> boo um these four teams um, you know how many cat mascots there are <laughs> so he uh saturday night technically sunday morning about three o'clock in the morning i got up in the middle of the night and he was sitting on my recliner and i was like whoa and 
then that led to about a 30-minute like little hiss and very, very sheepishly, I'm sure you guys can relate, being around me until finally he just dove all in and, and started rubbing his head all over me and I petted with him and uh, got up this morning and he was in the chair and he seems to have made himself at home. He's taken to the windowsill and the cat tree and the whole deal. So That's awesome. Yeah. Good to hear. So it looks like he's made himself a home, and now I'm going to be um, I'm going to smell like a cat all the cat time. Cat dad, Jake Query. That's Who right. Put on a t-shirt. Right. Chair. Couple of middle-aged guys. We just sit around <laughs> drinking beer and watching bananas all day. Eat some jerky and drink some beer. You uh, That's right. are you Gamebridge bound? No, no Luca tonight though. Uh, I don't know if we're going tonight or not. I, I probably should find that out. I got a little math tutoring to do today, Kev. Um, but it should be a, a good game. You know, you still get Kyrie Irving, right? Well, the math would indicate the Pacers are kind of approaching the brink of elimination. With seven to go, they are three and a half back of that final play. And again, Luka Doncic, his 16th technical of the season. Yesterday, Dallas, just an awful weekend, not just Luka-related. They lost two games to Charlotte. They are a game out of the playing out west. So I think a lot of nationalized, frankly, will be on this one just with how um, poor things have been with the Mavericks here as of late. And again, NFL owners meetings out in Arizona, so some news items will come out. Shane Steichen going to meet the media here in less than an hour, so we'll chat about all of that tomorrow. Everybody have a great Monday. Thanks for listening. Kevin Aquarius signing off.